Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 150 of RPG Digest. In segment one, we read through a tabletop RPG to introduce it to you and oftentimes to ourselves as well. In segment two, we provide higher level overviews and fundamentals and even the occasional how-to of systems, settings, and game mechanics. I am your lonely, your all-alone John Maxley Oshlo, your favorite curmudgeon critic and judge. And uh, that's where it ends. I don't have a heathen dog today. Let me get that off the screen there and see who we have in here today. Hello, hello. Hope everybody's having a good Sunday. The week after. The week after Kevin and Sean were here. For $2, Crafty says it's Sunday. Have you tithed today? So, uh, I gotta get a Pope hat. I really have to get a Pope hat. <laughs> I am your RPG Pope. No, no. Well, it'd be fun because people would get all <laughs> Twitter and and discords and gildeds and mewees and so on and so forth <laughs> go all crazy if i started doing that uh that, i think that, that you know what that might be worth doing just to troll some more people but that <laughs> that said uh appreciate the two dollars crafty even though you don't know how to use a marauder apparently <laughs> all right who do we have with us today here we have well noro you're not lonely you're with me in real life <laughs> so we have seth mcfulton here purr is here commenting before everybody else good to see you purr patrick fitzpatrick nerdy ogre gaming with adhd flady one did you hey flady uh if you want tell us what you got uh from uh from the palladium store flady is one of our winners oh i hope i got that right <laughs> i think flady was one of our winners for uh kevin and sean being on last week crafting gamers here good to see you sir Crafting Gamer joined us on the Friday Chill Stream. Apparently, he's a chucklehead. <laughs> oh, man. I'm still tired from staying up for four hours after that dumb live stream. <laughs> oh, there we go. So I hope everybody's doing great today. Oh, I'm lonely, not you. Uh, oh, having cash. No problem. No problem. No problem. I hope you get something you enjoy, sir. I'm looking forward to uh, to more playing. So I, I really am. So I really think that Sean has added that je ne sais quoi, so to speak, uh, for Palladium. Because we all know that Kevin's writing has been good throughout the years, right? The You know, sometimes you can say the editing or the sporadicness of certain information, whatever. But generally, as far as the world building aspect of it goes, has been absolutely fantastic. And after looking at Titan Robotics and the Cyberworks collection, I've again have not read it word for word, but I keep flipping through it. It has we'll see when a rule book comes out. Okay, let, let, let me let me backtrack for just a second. We'll see what really happens when a new sort of setting or world or rule book comes out. But as far as the the layout and design, absolutely mean it when I say it feels palladium, it looks palladium, it it's got that overall effervescence of Palladium, but better. So there is something in there with Kevin and Sean. So I, I hope to see more of that in the future. And yeah, uh, as a not Riffs guy, I'm buying Riffs books. So there you go. <laughs> Crafty for another $2 says, you can't tell me what to do. You're not my commander. <laughs> well, you're right. I can't tell you what to do, but uh, boy, but what was the result of that? Oh, you lost. <laughs> say exploded or something whatever um no what what it's it's a pet peeve and crafty is not triggering the pet peeve at all but uh it's a pet peeve of mine for battletech players 
where they're like, uh, got to build a mech with no heat. All these mechs suck because they have heat. And it's like, ah. and I, and I blame clan technology. I blame the 2750, 3050 era bullshit. I, oops, sorry. I'm not supposed to be cussing on this one. I, I, I blame all the people who had to do pimp, you know, pimp my mech, build a mech instead of playing the mechs that were given you. They don't know how to play the mechs. They don't know what the intent of them was. If you have a mech with two long range weapons, two medium range weapons, and two short range weapons, the idea isn't to alpha strike every round. You close in with a PPC or two. The awesome's a perfect example. Three PPCs, you can fire three of them, and then next round, fire two of them, then fire three of them, then fire two of them. It's okay. You don't have to fire every weapon, but man, everybody wants to alpha strike, alpha strike, alpha strike. Like, oh, the mech sucks if I can't fire every weapon in my arsenal. That's not, that wasn't the original intent of play. You were supposed to pick and choose. And in modern Battletech, because of double heat sinks and Gauss rifles and all these dumb guns that uh, don't, you know, do a lot of damage and don't do any heat, people have forgotten that the heat mechanic of the game is absolutely an important it's almost the defining characteristic of the game so and again i'm not busting crafty's balls on that one i actually just thought it was funny but that is definitely something you know with with modern battle tech that's just like if you're not playing a mech that has a little bit of a heat problem you're not playing battle tech so uh, greetings from downer thank you very much for the two dollars mercurius I, I i i know i'm saying the name wrong alicius there we go Mercurius Ulysses. Perfect legionnaire name. I think I said that on Friday, too. Uh, that was when you were restarting the mech, you got shot through the cockpit. One of my favorite, favorite battle reports ever. This is all the way back in high school, man. I was playing in a little tournament, uh, and this... What did he take? Um, I forget what the guy took. I think it was a stinger. No, he took a stinger. So the old stinger has a medium laser and two machine guns. Everybody's like, ah, oh, the machine guns are worthless. And I'm I'm gonna say it was again. I literally don't remember if I shot him or if he shot me. That's how long ago it was. But what I remember, how's it such a favorite battle report if you don't remember? It's the idea behind it. Absolutely amazing. I want to say it was him shooting me, and that's what I'll go with. But uh, yeah, he shot me in the head. <laughs> got a cockpit hit my mech was pristine but he hit me like two or three times with a medium laser machine gun in the head just took out my head the cockpit gone the rest of the mech perfect no engine repairs at all <laughs> damn it uh, but uh my my favorite one that i did was i was playing two wasps against well it started off with three wasps i think uh Maybe it was a lance, because I usually did lances. So it's probably four, four wasps against uh, an atlas. And, of course, the atlas should win. I mean, that's I mean, a 100-ton mech versus a 420-ton mech. One shot takes out those, uh, those wasps. But uh, I, I ended up winning. I got through his back armor, and then I got a center torso crit and took him out. And he was, oh, my God, that dude was pissed. He was pissed. No way! Ah, it's only luck! I'm like, hey, it's luck of the game, man. It's right there in the game. I got my... <laughs> so that was awesome. Ah. Uh... Anyway, enough of the Battletech stuff. What were we talking about for the... Oh, yeah, Palladium. But I want to once again thank you guys for a great show last week uh, with Kevin and Sean being on here. This is my opinion. I'm not saying that they told me this, but uh, I'm pretty sure that they were tired. They look kind of tired when they came here. To me, they look tired when they came in here. So the fact that they gave us that time last week... Uh, yeah, there's I'm very much appreciative of that. Right now, they're probably packing up from Gen Con. They're probably sleeping on the tables at booth 903 because I think Gen Con ends at noon, if I remember correctly, on Sunday. 
So uh, they're probably packing up, heading, uh, ready to come back and start working on whatever they're working on. But uh, I'm really digging uh, what, what Palladium's been doing. And yeah, I really do. I've got a few messages from commenters, you know, that agree with me. It's like after the bomb, after the bomb. I mean, let's be fair, though. That isn't a huge seller for them. But even seeing Palladium Fantasy stuff come out. So that's good. Uh, they're probably tired all the time, put so much effort and energy into their work. Yeah, I mean, there is a small team, but yeah, I mean, trying to keep up with fans' expectations, and I think that's one of the things that they won't say aloud. And to be fair, they don't say it behind the scenes either. They don't complain. I wish they would. <laughs> then I have some blackmail for them. But no, um, but I do hear it in in some of the things that they say, trying to keep up with fans' expectations. Because I'm not a, I'm not a Rifts guy. So the more riff stuff they make, they're not making it for me. Now, I do like the robot stuff because I can put that into my after bomb games. And technically, I could put all the stuff in there. But I don't deal with games that have magic and psionics. It's just not my thing. And I'm, I'm happy for that, too. Like, I don't want to deal with that. Um, but, uh, you know, they can't make stuff for everyone, but they're certainly trying. <laughs> they're trying to make stuff for everyone, or at least a, you know, a large majority of people. And that's obviously keeping them on their toes. I had somebody get a little miffed at me. By the way, I don't know if you can hear it while I'm talking, so I'm just going to say it right now in case you can. My ceiling fan is on, like, ultra-high-powered right now because I have to have the air conditioner at, a, at a, unfortunately, a higher temperature. We have a major leak in the house, and I'm hoping that my walls aren't rotting. Uh, so, unfortunately, it's not considered an emergency because nothing's exploded, so we can't get anybody out here right now hopefully tomorrow but i'm i'm betting they say well maybe on friday or something but yeah i have a pretty big leak in, in the house and it's coming from air conditioner well guess what it's 100 degrees in alabama that air conditioner has to run <laughs> so so yeah i'm going up to the attic every couple of hours and replacing towels and so forth hoping that uh that my house you know that it's my walls aren't rotting it's pain in the ass so if you can hear it i apologize but it's just gonna have to be the way it is for today uh, but as far as um, we're talking about, what was I saying with Palladium? Uh, I don't do riffs. See, I sidetrack myself when I do things like that. Yeah, I don't remember. But anyway, yeah, we're appreciative of them being here. We're uh, looking forward to them hopefully coming back again. I uh, hope you guys, I, I made 11. I didn't do much this week in terms of other stuff. And I finally, as of yesterday, got them finished because it takes... And I only got through two thirds of the full live stream. I actually, well, maybe three quarters, but I still have like another quarter to go if I really want to pull out more. But I got 11 shorts from there. And uh, you, you should see those pop throughout the next couple of weeks, whether on YouTube or Twitter. But uh, I don't hear any fan. Okay, appreciate that. Um, oh, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Somebody was complaining about. Um, Crap, somebody's complaining about something. I forgot what it was. I, I had a couple of complaints, though, but... Um, yeah. You know, one of the things... I really want to do a, a, a... I think I'm going to do a, a Friday chill stream, or rando stream, at some point here, where we talk about organizations like the Coalition, or the Empire of Humanity, uh, and we'll pick some from other games as well that people play. Because I've been reading more and more... Uh, thoughts about the fact nope if you work for the coalition you're a bad guy just that that's it and that's just that's just not the case i can understand if you're saying that somebody who's shooting up magicians for the coalition is a bad guy okay i, I can get that 
but we're talking like the average citizen, somebody who's living under the protection or the yoke, you know, depending on how you want to look at it and show that that doesn't just inherently make somebody evil. It could make somebody weak. It could make somebody scared. But, uh, you know, it's like, oh, they're all Nazis. No, they're not just Nazis. They're Nazis and communists. Okay, they're doing the same stuff. And I'm not talking about Marxist communism. I'm talking about the you know, real world uh, totalitarianism communists. There's very little difference between the Nazis and the Soviets. Very little. And if you think that there is, you're either ignorant or you're trying to justify uh, some sort of bias. As somebody who has a background in Russian history. You can look at what the Nazis did and you can look at what the Soviets did. And sure, they have some openly ideological differences, but the actual functioning is pretty much the same. And how they treated their adversaries, how they treated their populaces, how they treated it's, it's the same thing. All the differences are skin deep at best. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's pretty much just you can look at the coalition as generic um, totalitarianism. And I think I might want to do a Friday uh, stream just talking about getting a couple people on that uh, play games that have different examples of that, not just the Coalition or Empire of Humanity. So we'll step outside Palladium, but where some uh, where that topic can come in, where I mean, where do you draw the line? Where is evil? Because it's very easy for us to sit here and be like, I would never be a Nazi. Really? You know, it's funny you say that because I bet you, you know, nine tenths of Germany said I'd never be a Nazi. <laughs> you know? No. Right, let's see what we got here, and then I guess we'll start getting into our real stuff. Uh, a lot of BattleTech talk. You don't fire an I see you don't fire an ICBM at a target twenty feet away. Well, <laughs> luckily there aren't too many of those in BattleTech. Uh, yeah, thirty twenty five is the best era. Look, look, I'm not mad that the other eras exist. I like the idea that people have options in what to play, but. The purest form of Battletech is the 3025 era because there are two things that come out of the 3050 clan stuff that weren't even intended in regular Battletech except for, and even Jordan Weissman in an elevator said that to me, money. Um, one was it was never meant to be build a mech. The mech construction rules were to allow people to have homebrew games, but it turned into build a mech. That's, that's number one. And the clans were not implemented properly. Great for novels, not good for a board game. So, AC ten shell to the noggin. Yeah, you got nine points of uh, maximum armor and a head. So at least one internal, and if you get that critical, yep, boom, boom. Uh, love the D and D Beyond ad. I gave you. Uh, I didn't do that. <laughs> that wasn't from me. Who set Max off this early? Nobody set me off. I'm not, I'm not angry yet. <laughs> Totalitarianism is always a good thing. Wait a minute, what? <laughs> uh, so, uh, is, a possessed, is a possessed character controlled to do something against alignment acting out of his alignment? Uh, no, he's being heavily coerced, so it seems that the CS... I mean, you could be lied to? You could have fear. Fear makes people do dumb stuff. Uh, uh, 
Excuse me, Nancy. All right. There's debate on this. I, I personally, as somebody who lived in Germany for 11 years, I agree with the statement, but I will say that historians have debate on this. I'm just saying. You know, personally, based on my understanding and my experience, I agree with this. Just know that there are going to be others who say, well, it's not fully true. But, you know, anyway, this isn't a, this isn't a show about, <laughs> about that. So, um, yes, so. I mean, I talked to my, my wife's Japanese, Okinawan specifically, and, you know, some of the stuff that the Japanese were telling the Okinawans in World War II was, was pretty heinous. You know, the Japanese did some pretty heinous stuff, arguably as bad, worse, you know, depending on, on what you think of the, the Bataan Death March and the Rape of Nanking. You know, was every Japanese soldier uh, evil? I highly doubt that. You know, brainwashed, maybe. Scared, probably. <laughs> you, know? Uh, you know, yes, there are those onesies and twosies that escape Germany, Soviet Russia, Pol Pot's regime, whatever. But those are the people that become the stories. Average person didn't. By the way, in Pol Pot's regime, I'd be dead. Look it up. It's because of these. All right. Well, uh, so a little sneak peek here. I really got to get to the topics here. But what a sneak peek here. Um, hopefully, going to be on with gaming with ADHD uh, next week. Yeah, next week I'm on leave, so it looks like next week. And we're going to talk to Blaine Lee Pardo and uh, 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 Brett Evans, who are doing the Land and Sea, kind of a successor to BattleTech. Eh? Eh? Battletech fans might know the names. But one of the things that, uh, that, that is happening in that book that's driving me crazy. Oops, started playing the fluffy cat. Well, what? Um, one, one of the things that uh, has come up in that book that's driving me nuts. And I'm not saying it wouldn't happen, but they have this uh, alien. Uh, this, they have this act where it's like if you, if you get any alien, uh, if you touch alien stuff or if you like grab a you know a tentacle trophy we'll just call it that that's a federal crime just like in world war ii if somebody had come to my house hey give up your gold this is what america did give, no you have to it's for the war effort uh no this is mine if i choose to give it up i will you don't get to come here and tell me what i get to own what you're costing lives well you know what? you might guilt me into it sure but if you think that, that you're going to make some law that I'm going to agree with, <laughs> I'd be breaking that law instantly. I'd bury my gold in the backyard. You are not coming to my house and tell me I have to give up something. Tell me I have to come to my... Oh, I'm not going to show it in this stream, but uh, tell me I have to come up... To, uh, you're going to come to my house and, and take away my 45. One of us is going to be bleeding on the ground. So, no, you don't get to tell me what I get to own. The first time that the federal government made a law saying, uh, ah you you now have touched you you've grabbed alien stuff you shouldn't do that okay bring it on big boy <laughs> like so and i get i mean could be disease i get it 
Would I personally go out there and start uh, petting some alien tentacle or alien goo or something? No. <laughs> I don't know what the hell is in there. I don't like goo as it is. But is the second you make a law saying, you will not touch alien stuff, I'll, I'll, I'll be hoarding it in my house. You don't get to tell me what I get to touch and what I get to own. That's what's make me American and not uh, 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 somebody, somebody from a totalitarian regime. All right, let's talk about real things. And that's right. I said real things. Games! Games. We're going to talk about games. But before we do that, I got to thank you, weirdos. So I want to thank all of you wonderful people, all of you wonderful weirdos who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways like we did last week, produce more content like the shorts this week. I had impetus to spend time on that and generally give back to Legion Myth community as a whole. We're coming up on 4,500 YouTube subscribers and we are thankful for all of you, each and every one, even you. That's right, you too. Check the description below for the links to various Legion Myth sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. Oh, Redbubble sent me a message saying I made $1.45. I was like, holy crap, that's like a lot. $1.45? Yeah, somebody bought three things, so thank you to that person. $1.45. You buy three things off of Redbubble, I get a whole dollar forty-five. I was going to talk a little bit more about Kevin and Sean being here last week. Uh, how about this? I'll give you guys about five minutes or so. I can start a little late. I don't think my topics today are going to be too long. Is there anything you want to ask about Kevin and Sean being here? Uh, otherwise, I'll just jump into our our normal topics. Again, Heathen Dog's not here, so I, I have a little bit of extra time today. That's re hey, that's real in the game world. And we're not talking about mutant humans, we're talking about normal humans. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get political on this stream, but right. <laughs> right. Any plans for more Robotech? No. That doesn't mean we won't do it, there's just no plans for it. Um, I mean, I'm not against it, but if you want Robotech, go watch the Crafting Gamer. The Crafting Gamer is covering Robotech. Check out his channel. He's on. He's watching right now. Let me see if I can find a comment from him from earlier, uh, and I'll put his channel in. But I mean, it's just the Crafting Gamer. But so you can see his little icon as well, so you know you're at his channel. Where am I scrolling up? Scrolling up. There we go. Look for that little icon right there, the crafting game. Go check him out. He's our, he's talking about Robotech, so we don't need to right now. But with that in mind, uh, it's something we can do. It's definitely a simpler set of rules than like um, the Rift stuff. So. <laughs> What's this? Congrats on Sean. I'm not enemy number one. <laughs> he's still going after Condor more than he is me. And if the funny thing was is he didn't say too much bad about me. He was mad at Vic and uh and uh what's his name? Um the crafting gamer. <laughs> uh. Yes. Crafty, 100%. 100%. There you go. Absolutely agree with that. I prefer Robotech as an RPG and BattleTech as a board game. Where, yes. Oh, nerdy! Oh, nerdy ogres number one now. 
How'd that? How did Nerdy Ogre? Nerdy Ogre doesn't even make videos. How did Nerdy Ogre become number one? Is this like a Twitter thing or something? What's going on? Yeah. I probably don't want to know. Oh, you bet for Kevin and Sean. What the? Yeah, they lost the license, so that's not going to happen. How would I? Uh, really, a full. They said we had Kevin on by himself, Sean on by himself, and both of them on twice now. So yeah. Um. So it's going to be the fifth time. I don't know. Um, my, my problem with Kevin and Sean coming on is that I don't want it to just be a Q&A and I don't want it to be just selling a product because they're so fun to talk to. The thing is, is I don't know how interested you guys would be like, so, hey, Kevin, what'd you do last week? And oh, you went fishing. All right. So, hey, what'd you do with, you know, did you catch anything? Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, I mean, you guys are here to see game content. Uh, and I know there'd be a few of you out there. No, that'd be awesome. But because uh, because I'm out of questions for them and I'm out of game topics for them specifically because. I don't need to know every nuance. They've given me everything. This is why we do the Q&A with the questions that you guys have. Sure, there's a couple of things like, hey, you're working on this. Hey, you're doing that, whatever. But uh, I, I like it to be a conversation, not a Q&A. And yeah, I know everything or I'm comfortable with everything. Do I know everything about them? No. I also have, you also have to understand, and this isn't for gaming with ADHD. This is for anybody that's asking a question. I'm not going to have them say something that has them insult somebody else. I'm not going to be like, so, so Watsy sucks, right? Because they're never going to agree to that. Even if, even if they believe that, they're not going to agree to that. Oh, did you see what this creator did? Well, you know what? Yeah, we're not going to do that. Heck, behind the scenes, I'll tell you something. This is a long time ago. This didn't happen before this last episode. But uh, talking about Battletech, Kevin chewed me out over some stuff I said about Cuckolist Games. Notably that I call them Cuckolist Games. <laughs> so, I mean, he chewed me out behind the scene. I get it. I understand why. I didn't take it as a crybaby. Like, is he poo-poo things to me? No. But he's got a business to run. He doesn't want to be in that community going, you know, uh, you know, bad-mouthing anybody. So I would never put him on the spot to talk crap about somebody else. Uh, what questions are you able to share? Did they ask you off-stream? Ask your favorite games or anything like that? No, they, they didn't ask me any, anything. I mean, they're focused on Palladium books. That's, that's another thing that uh, that that uh, is kind of a struggle when you have somebody on who's a content creator in terms of a game is, so what games do you play? Well, mine, of course, dumb-dumb. <laughs> you know? Now, I did find out that they do like the Free League games. Now, what that means, I don't know. I didn't ask them how many times they played them. I didn't ask specifically which ones, but they both said that they liked the free league games. So cool. You know? Um, oops, did I miss? I think I missed some chat here. It's fine. <laughs> yes, I looked like a real estate agency or home security agency or maybe both. There you go. <laughs> that is kind of funny. Hey, you know, but that's that sets him apart. That gives him. I've actually wanted to change the Legion of Myth logo. Let me see. Can I put it on here? I, I can. I have to do the stop cam. That's not it. Let me uh, I'm gonna change this. Change there. I'll, I'll tell you uh, just so I can show you guys. There's the Legion. Myth. So this is the official Legion of Myth logo. I've wanted to take out everything except for the claw 
for years. The problem is that would require me to start the whole trademark thing from scratch. And I don't make enough money for that. And this is a registered trademark. You can't steal this. So uh, good luck because uh, you'd lose quickly. But it's expensive to have that. <laughs> and so if I were to switch, I just want the Dragon Claw. But ugh. Uh, do, 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 do. Sean play Palladium or Savage Worlds Rifts? I think he plays more Savage Worlds Rifts. He likes Palladium and he definitely writes well for Palladium, but I think he plays more Savage Worlds Rifts. Again, again, I say, think I don't. Those feel like gotcha questions to me. Not what you're asking, but if I were to ask him, so would you play more? <laughs> I think he would give me a political answer, even behind the scenes. It's too busy. The logo's too busy for, for this moment, you know. Um, I like the logo, like, for the stamp on a book. But I would like, I mean, just imagine if it's just the orange claw. That's it on this shirt. It would have a little bit more gravitas. Just, okay, maybe I have OCD because this is bothering me. <laughs> Straighten out. That's yeah, a little better. Um, all right. I think it's time to get into, uh, into game topics now, so. Who would you become? Well... This, okay, little background. My God, I'm turning this in the rando stream. Little background here. The Legion Myth logo comes from an MMORPG guild. Legion Myth name stems from the concept that we are Legion Myth because we liked PvP games, but we were also role players. And back then, you either were a role player, a casual player, a hardcore player or you know on the pve side or a pvp player like role players could not i mean the 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 concept was role players couldn't be pvpers and i disagree with that so we made it you know it's just a myth that you can role play and be a pvp player ask anybody who played with us in star wars the old republic how well we pvp'd so we open a pvp constantly in star wars the old republic no, or yeah, the old yeah. Uh, we used to go to uh, Voss was my favorite area to go because it was even though it's kind of lowish level, like mid level really. Those two spaceports are really close to each other, so when the enemy did come in, they uh you know they they could come in and quickly join the PvP, and we would sit on top of their spaceports. And anytime that somebody came in, you can call this griefing if you want, but remember you're in a we were on a PvP server and a PvP oriented game, so don't call this griefing. Somebody pop in. Pew, <laughs> somebody pop three people pop in bam, 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 bam. we'd wipe them out and what they would do is they would call people in and then we'd have a big war start and it was great because the two spaceports were right there so you know when we killed one of them they were quickly back in the fight within like a minute or so if somebody killed one of us we were back in the fight so uh you know it's this push pull thing it was a great time and we got a lot of uh, kudos for that unfortunately Everybody in the guild left after six months and said this is wow I'm just gonna go back to wow so we didn't last long in the game but uh, yeah, it was it was a great time. So that's where it came from. And the "Who Would You Become," the original intro song, uh, you know, showed a bunch of different characters: a paladin, an orc, uh, uh, you know, a lady, an angel, a demon, you know, whatever else. And it's basically like, who are you going to become in these games? Who are like we believe in role playing in the games. So that that's what it is. I don't think that's as important when it comes to tabletop games. I think the dragon claw is is something that's just cooler, you know. But it is what it is. So. All right, we're really starting now. We're really going to do it. I already thanked you guys, so let me swap stuff around here. I don't need that anymore. Swap this over here. 
It is going to be a little difficult for me to read chat. And let's uh, get that full screen. Boom. F11. Thank you for your patience. All right, for segment one today, we're going to have a four-parter. That's right, this is going to be broken into four videos. We're going to have skills, we have talents, we're going to have contacts, and we're going to have biomechatronics. That's right, we are going to talk about cybernetics, basically, in the game. But that'll be in video number four, so if you're watching this later, that'll be released in four days. <laughs> but until then, we're going to talk about skills. Now, as we know, if you don't know how skills at all work, then I suggest you go back and watch the Mutant Year Zero video on this from a few weeks ago, because we're going to talk about the specialist skills uh, in this more so than anything else. The basic skills are the same. We'll look them over real quickly. But we're going to talk about the specialist skills for each of the different, uh, what do they call adjudicators in the game. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. It's like a meme now. Oh, hey, I didn't mean to stop the I just wanted to hide that. I hit the wrong button. It's going to drink a little something, too. Let's get that back on the screen. Mutant Elysium. Doesn't need audio. There we go. Now we're back. That throat is so scratchy right now. All right, so today we're going to talk about the skills. And like I said, we're going to talk about the special... We'll look over the 12 basic skills. Again, nothing different in this than the other games. Now, you might say, well, but uh, Mutant Gen Lab Alpha had uh, uh, Instinct. And Mutant Mechatron had... Uh, da -da -da, oh, what was the name? A question. Well, what's different about this one? No, these skills are the same as Mutant Year Zero. Oops, what page was that? Uh, 40. So I'm guessing 44? That's close. All right, let's start with that art. There we go. A very dystopian style game. Look, you know, we were talking before about, uh, or before the, because it was on the live stream portion, of, about uh, things like the Empire of Humanity and the Coalition. You know, are they evil, yada, yada? Well, of course they are. I mean, as an organization, they are evil. But this has a very dystopian feel to it as well. If you remember, everybody wears some sort of military uniform. So you can definitely turn it in that direction. Now, once again, we're not going to go through how to do skill roles. Go watch the Mutant Year Zero video on how to do combat and skill roles, and that will discuss everything. It's the same core skills, Endurance Force Fight uh, based on Strength, Sneak Move Shoot based on Agility, Scout Comprehend Know the Zone based on Wits, and Sense Emotion Manipulate and Heal based on Empathy. Remember, you add your attribute, which in this case is Empathy, to your skill, Total those dice together, you roll, and you see if you have any success. I'll appreciate it. Uh, let's see, is there anything here? Describe your action. Pushing your roll. Again, that's all that's all done in uh, um, that previous video. 
each house, and we talked about this uh, la- not last week, because last week Kevin and Sean were on. Um, the week before, we kind of talked about this. If you're from House Warburg, you get strength as your key attribute. Grotescu gets agility, Kilgore gets wits, and Morningstar gets empathy. All that means is that a Warburg can have a strength up to five. Fortescue can have an agility up to five. Kilgore, the rest is four. So everybody else can have a four. So it gives you potentially one extra dice. You don't have to, but uh, you can. All right. Uh, do I want to look at this? let's actually look at this one for just a moment gear bonus so rope grants a plus two because it has a gear bonus of two if you have a rope it naturally starts with a gear bonus of two so that means you add plus two when you roll your move rolls to climb well if that rope gets damaged tattered or isn't as good it's only a plus one if it gets damaged again well then it's broken and you can't use it so as long as it has a plus anything, you can still climb it. Once it hits that zero, uh, it's done. So basically, rope has to take two points of damage in order to uh, to fade away, to break. That's right. That's <laughs> it's like screw you, dude. Yeah, screw you, buddy. And that's uh, more skill rolls. So basic skills again. We're not going to cover this. You know, endure. It's in your endurance, force, human moving stuff, fight. This is pretty much any sort of unarmed or melee combat. Uh, sneak, shoot. Let's let's get to the uh, what we want to get to are the. Uh, nope, that's basic skills. Are the special skills? This is what we want to look at. We want to look at because we talked about the rolls last week. Ooh, that zoomed in way far. And I apologize. I know I'm missing chat. Uh. It's just it's an unfortunate thing of me being by myself here. So I don't see anything that just stands out. All right. Uh, you see what? Uh, so the investigators investigate. You you see what others usually miss. Your job is to notice small details and make sense of them. Roll to investigate when you want to study a room or similar location. Each attempt takes a few minutes. Notice it doesn't give specifics there. This can be up to the GM for specifics, but hey, you're investigating. Not everybody gets this. Sure, you could probably make a wits roll by itself to have to do something similar. This is up to your game master. Or the more appropriate way in your Zero Engine games is you just, uh, you say, I am looking at this spot, and if it's there, you find it. If it's not there, you don't. Like... But this allows you to kind of take an overview and gives you, we'll say it like a second chance. Maybe you didn't think about looking in the underwear drawer. Well, you make a success here. You may ask the GM one of the following. Is there anything hidden here? And if so, where? Are there any details here that are out of place? Something that is out of the ordinary. Now, I know some people be like, well, those questions are pretty vague. That seems like a cheat mode. Understand that's the investigator's job. You know, And you're only going to have what? Well, modern games, three or four players in your game. I mean, the game is built around four. So are you going to even have an investigator in your group? There's always multiple ways of uh, panic situation. Investigate can also be used when studying the dead. Uh, so you, got, you can do some forensics. All right. Now remember, get uh, special skills. Each role, is it role in this game? I forget. Air, roll, adjudicator gets one special skill and one of three talents. And we're going to look at talents in the next video. So the, uh, yeah, so the officer's skill is command. Now, this is a fun one. It is your duty to lead. Your subordinates need to trust that your orders are the right ones. Roll for command when you order someone else to endure, force, 
fight, sneak, move, or shoot. Just those skills. Now that's like half of them, or almost half of them. The orders must be simple enough to perform with one die roll. Uh, during a conflict, giving an order counts as an action, unless you have the quick command talent, then it comes a maneuver. Remember the difference between those? Basically, an action is a slow action, a maneuver is a fast action. So, <laughs> failure. Underlings take no heed of your words. Basically, nothing happens. Success. Now, what did I just say? Nothing happens, right? What is one of the rules of the Mutant Year Zero games? Game Master is not supposed to say nothing happens. There's supposed to be a, a minor consequence to that. So, nothing happens isn't exactly the right thing to say, but we're going to move on here because we've got a bunch of these to go through. So, uh, you give a success, you give a plus two bonus to the person's roll to complete the action. Now, remember, bonus goes to the skill. You don't, so you're rolling skill dice for that. If you command the same person again before the first order is completed, the bonus of the first order is lost. So, you know, if you say, hey, go go down there and uh, reactivate the engines. I don't know what the hell I'm thinking of. There's, I, don't, I don't know how that would happen to me in Elysium, but let's go with it. And he's got to go down four levels or whatever. Got to go. But then he gets into a firefight and you're like, oh, no, I need you to uh, to get the elevator working. Obviously, we're talking to some sort of engineer character, a right? technician. Well, that first order is now gone, and you'll have to re-roll it for the second. And for each uh, roll be, uh, success beyond the first, uh, you receives an additional plus one. So you can. this is pretty cool to help people get some dice. Now, you're going to say, Max, none of those are Endure Force, Fight, Sneak, Move, or Shoot. You're right. I'm just giving you an example of what it does. Is it really, I mean, they're, it's command. It's combat-oriented. The procurator skill, prosecute. Now, this is the one I think Heathen Dog wanted to pay attention to. Elysium is an orderly society built upon laws and regulations. You're a master at bending these in your favor and using any legal loophole to maximum effect. Roll for prosecute instead of manipulate when you need to get your way by citing a specific clause in a law that would support your actions. The exact phrasing is up to you. The effect is the same as with manipulate, but instead of an opposed roll, you make just a straight roll. That means the opponent is not rolling against you. You just roll to see if you get any success. Now, there's a sidebar here that is important, and we'll read that in a moment. Oh, there it is. You cannot use the prosecute skill. This is for Heathen Dog, so I hope he's watching, listening. <laughs> you cannot use the prosecute skill to make someone do something that is blatantly illegal. For example, you can't make someone kill an innocent person in cold blood. The legal interpretation that you invoke must be within reason. The GM has the last word. No, um, reputation. Just as when you manipulate, your chance of succeeding with a prosecute skill are affected by the reputation score of you and your opponent. We're going, uh, we did talk about that actually already uh, previously. What reputation? It's very similar to the... Um, Hierarchy scores of GenLab Alpha and Mutant Mechatron. Conflict when using conflict, when used in conflict. Remember, conflict in when game says when used in conflict, it means basically when used when you have initiative, when you've rolled for initiative. Because if it's just a back and forth, you're just doing stuff, you roll, and we don't really count actions. But once initiative is rolled, that's when you get the action, the maneuver. Well, in this case, it counts as an action. A law duel, if you use the skill against another procurator, make an opposed roll against your opponent. So that's when the opposed roll comes in. Okay. All right. Um, 
Let me take a pause here for some chat, otherwise it's going to get too far back. That's gross, Al. That's just gross. <laughs> and I already, I already said no to the pleasure bunnies. It's sex robots, not pleasure bunnies. Jeez. Illegal or not, the opponent has a very limited defense against this. It's not open to abuse. Well, that, that's where the game master has to step in. No, it's, it, this is where people were talking previously about, hey, can you use you know, some sort of blackmail or extortion? Yeah. That's what happens in, in heavy intrigue settings. In 1984-style settings, that's just part of it. Blackmail, intrigue, extortion, manipulation, getting your way. Remember, you're fighting for your family. So absolutely, the problem is, is don't go too far. At some point, you go too far, now you're in trouble. And even your family has to disown you. So, I mean, I kind of went to an extreme there, but you, but you get what I'm saying. So, uh, you know, let the players get by with a little bit. Maybe even let them get by with a little more than they should, because you, you as a game master can use that against them. Another NPC, and when we talk contacts in a couple of videos from now, uh, you'll you get a bigger uh, picture of how that can work. Uh, did, let's see if I miss anything else. Uh, nope, that looks good there. Wait, so so if using court to be opposed roles, yeah, but you're kind of judge jury executioner in this. But yeah, if you if it's taken to the tribunal or the court, whatever it's um. What's it called? I don't think it's tribunal, because that would be three, and it's four. I forget what it's called. We talked about it previously. I just don't remember the name, but there is a court, yeah. It's pronounced cat girls. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, for those who don't know what's going on, um, we had a question with Kevin and Sean when they were on, because mutant... Mechatron has the quarters. What are they called? The, they're not pleasure robots. What are they called in Mutant Mechatron? The escorts, the the courtesans. I think is it courtesan? Anyway, has those. You know, after the bomb has pleasure bunnies, which are genetically almost perfect humans. They basically look like your Playboy bunny, but they're actually mutated rabbits. So, so uh, one of the questions that came up for Kevin and Sean was uh, pleasure bunnies or sex robots, because that's what you want to ask a professional game designer. <laughs> they were they were good sports about it. It was great. So, all right, let's go down to the scholar skills. Enlighten. That's based on wits. You know everything. That's what others say about you. Anyway, it's like they're talking about me, right? Of course, that's not true. Oh. But unquestionably, over the years, you've accumulated huge amounts of what others rarely call useless knowledge. Roll for enlightenment when, when the road ahead is unclear and you or your colleagues need a pointer towards what the next step could be. Again, another cheat for, uh, for you to ask the game master, we don't know what to do. This would be great for a sandbox game, right? We don't know what to do. In order to keep the result of your roll secret, the GM rolls for your skill behind a GM screen. You know, I, I should talk about that on a Friday stream one time. When, you know, do you roll? Because I like my players to roll their own dice. I like to roll my own dice. So how do you do secret rolls for the players? Do you just do it as the game master? Or do you somehow let them roll secretly? Anyway, let's get back to this. Uh, if she has one. This is, therefore, an exception to the basic rule of Mutant Year Zero that all rolls are open. And no, that's not, nope, that's not a rule in my games. Uh, you must also decide whether to push the roll without knowing whether you succeeded or not. That's, uh, that's, 
in various different versions of this game. This isn't uh, Mutant Year Zero, Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, Mutant Mechatron. This is not new. Or how many successes you rolled. The GM only announces how many points of confusion you get if you decide to push the roll. So you don't know if you succeeded or not. You don't know. It's like, well, you failed. Do you want to push? No. It's like, okay, I rolled the dice. Do you want to push? Uh, yes. What if you had four successes and and you you mastered that thing? Game master rolls like two dice, and now all of a sudden you get confusion. <laughs> That'd be horrible. But yes. So failure. You think you know something, but in fact, the conclusion you've drawn is false and leads to, leads the group in the wrong direction. Success. This is great. This is great disinformation the game master could put up there, especially in a game where disinformation could be it could be considered uh, uh how do you want to say it uh somebody working against you <laughs> so you can have so much intrigue with that uh success you have some odd piece of knowledge that may actually be helpful exactly what it is up to the game master who gives you a little bit of information that can nudge you in the right direction so unlike other skills rolling additional pro uh, successes provides no bonus right. press on and you've seen something similar to this press on in various year zero games if you watch the other videos uh, the damage is too much to bear. You stay down. Okay, so what? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just go. Roll press on when broken by damage. Remember, the term broken in this game means an attribute has gone down to zero. It has nothing to do with critical injury. just means one of your four attributes has gone down to zero. Therefore, you can't function. Well, guess what? With press on, you roll press on and you can function again. Well, how much so? Well, let's find out. Success. You immediately recover as many points of damage as the number of successes rolled. So if you roll three successes, you get three points back. The skill has no effect on critical injuries. Well, yeah, if you got a critical injury still and you got a broken ankle, well, your ankle's still broken, but at least you're not passed out. The press on skill can be combined with the Never Surrender talent from the Mutant Year Zero core book. You can roll, you can then roll for both press on and never surrender if you have never if you have been broken. That gives you double the opportunity. That's almost like the orcs from uh Forbidden Lands, and we'll talk about those when we cover Forbidden Lands and six to eight weeks technician skill tinker again i think we've seen something similar to this in every game but this one puts it in a mutant elysium format which is you are a master at operating and exploiting technical systems and structures you can roll for tinker to achieve a variety of outcomes examples open a locked door shut off an alarm so it's the opposite of the stupid screaming robot from mechatron <laughs> control the surveillance camera that's an important one Find a hidden passage, destroy an item, weaken a structure such as a wall or building. This is a really cool one right here. Find a hidden passage. The GM can give you a modification on the roll if what you're trying to achieve is particularly difficult. In order to be able to tinker with an object or technical system, you must first understand it. So if you achieve, if you succeed, you get the desired result, right? Uh, for each additional success, you gain an unexpected side effect. You may suggest what it is, but the GM has the last word. And you can use Tinker to optimize an item for a particular purpose. It takes a few hours of work, but for each success you roll, the item grants a user a plus one bonus for a specific task, which you must describe when making the roll. Is that it? Well, that's all our talents? All right, that's all our talents. Let's see what you guys have for questions. I told you these ones were, were going to be kind of quick. Pop this over here. All right. Let's scroll back. Uh, the opponent's not rolling against you. That is correct. So remember, certain skills like uh, stealth, stealth you roll versus insight, and whoever gets more successes, if the if the insight roll gets more successes, you're discovered. If the stealth roll gets more successes, you successfully sneak. Same thing with manipulation. When you do a manipulation, you're rolling 
that's also against insight right uh hey uh patty's parlor sorry i missed your message there i'm seeing it now <laughs> i'm alone so i don't look this way as often but i uh, appreciate that so yeah get some hard work done man i did that yesterday i'm still suffering for it dehydrated it's like eight million degrees outside my wife helped me too and that was pretty cool but um yeah, so when you do a manipulation versus uh, um, is it insight again? Why can't I not remember this off the top of my head? Because I don't have a character sheet in front of me. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's an opposed roll. Well, if you have procurate, it's not an opposed roll. All you need is one success. One success means you win. So it makes it easier for you to to win those things because your job is to argue, and of course, cite those loopholes. Um. Do, do, do. That's a Garthon skill. Which one? Which one's a Garthon skill? Uh, important question. Okay, they're still talking pleasure bunnies here. Uh, hey, Max, roll a d twenty because I'm GM, and I said said so. That's why. Okay, for what? What am I rolling for? I don't know. Do Next, I like the failure section where you might have screwed up a uh, big, but might not realize. Yes. Um, the, the point of Mutineer Zero is that you want to see. That's why pushing the role is there. The game, as Heathen Dogs talked about, leads you to want to push those roles if you fail. Because failure isn't just like, okay, it didn't work. No, no. Failure means it didn't work and you snapped something or you tripped over a cord or, <laughs> or whatever. Combat's a little different because missing the target is kind of its own uh-oh moment. Now, they're not critical fumbles. They're just inconveniences that, you know, how do I put it? So one of the things about Munir Zero is when you roll a skill roll and you fail, you can't attempt it again. You're done. You have to find a new way of doing it. So let's just say, let's use climbing, because it's, it's a very blatant example and probably unrealistic, but we'll go with any. You're trying to climb up a sheer wall, and you fail that roll. You can't do that again. You realize that you don't have the finger strength. You don't have the grip. You don't whatever. You cannot do that. Now, you're like, you know what? Uh, we're going to get we're going to get some rope. We're going to get a grappling hook and we're going to try it that way. Great. Now you can do it. So what so what are the negative side effects for just failing that role? You can't do it. No, you probably fell. Actually, not probably you did. You fell from half from the halfway point. So you took some damage. There's always something that uh, that fails. Let's say you're fishing. You're doing a survival. Uh, I'm thinking Forbidden Lands for whatever reason right now. But you know you're you're doing fishing, and you fail. Well, it isn't just that you caught no fish, but you might have lost the fishing pole. You might have lost the hook or the line or the net. Might have, you know it's finally you've used it so many times uh, it just kind of rotted or something. It's it's not useful. You have to fix it. Um, you can you can find reason. I know somebody say, oh, that's gear damage. I get what you're saying, but. There's something, maybe you lost it then. Screw you. Now, not only can you not fix it, I said you lost it. The point is, you can't do the same thing the same way at that time. And so it's easy for the game master to say, hey, um, something broke. You know, you were trying to program, uh, the, you're trying to use that security camera, and, and you're trying to hack into it with that tinker skill and, and look at an area. Well, by doing so, you accidentally severed the power to it. And now, until it's fixed, you can't use it. So, I mean, in some regard, you could say it's like a critical uh, a fumble. But in the other regard, it's just a minor inconvenience. It's not a, it's not a complete... It's broken and you can never get to it again. 
you're just inconvenienced in a way that says you have to change tactics for a moment. So hopefully that makes sense. And I, I like that. I, I like that concept because then you don't have to worry about critical fumbles and all this other stuff. You just, and it makes people want to succeed. It's not, okay, I failed, whatever, I'll try again. No, you can't try again. That methodology will not work for whatever reason. You have to find a new way of doing it. I Personally, I like that. So... All right. Uh, hell failure fishing could be that you just lost the bait and are now out. Yes. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Until you refill your bait, you can't fish. Ex yeah. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be devastating. Oh, you lost 10, uh, 10 credits worth of stuff. No, no, no. And, and that's a perfect example there. I think I'll put that on the screen as a matter of fact. Perfect example. Yes. And then one of the things this game encourages you to do is to have the players actually announce, come up with the idea of what it was. Now, I'm always looking for how the players are trying to seek an angle from that. <laughs> I never trust the players. I'm not as blatant about it as Heathen Dog, but I, I don't. I don't trust the players. You guys have probably heard me talk about that on certain live streams where, where I'm always checking to see what, what the player's angle is because they're going to try to get one over on me and then rationalize it later. But let the players come up with the idea because then they're more engaged in the failure. And failure isn't the end of the world. It's just, you know, to fail. So there we go. That's uh, that's it for skills for Mutant Elysium and pretty much for the entire Year Zero, uh, Mutant Year Zero qu uh, Quadrilogy. Is that a word? <laughs> that's what I'm going with, Quadrilogy. That's right. Te would it be Quadrilogy? Tetriarchy? I don't know what it would be. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, because the next game we're going to be covering is going to be Coriolis, and that'll be in two weeks, and that does actions a bit differently does skills so similar that you're going to know how to do it but enough differences where it is interesting and unique so we'll, we'll take a look at that in a few weeks but uh up next is going to be talents and then next week we're going to talk about what do you do at mutant elysium what is going on in this two mile long skyscraper underneath the ground that's what we're going to talk about uh, next week so i hope to see you guys then I guess that's it. I don't have Heathen Dog here to help walk me out, so we're just going to call... Oh, no, no. Hold on. There you go. Like, subscribe, and share. If you want more Mutant Year Zero content, if you want more Palladium content, if you want more other content, uh, let us know. I've actually had a couple of comments saying go back and cover more Mage. I would really like to have the Adam guy back on from... Uh, was it the Mage podcast? Uh, Heathen Dog would know. It's his buddy. But I'd like to have him back on to actually give him a better opportunity to uh, to speak. I kind of I kind of felt that uh, we didn't let him say all the things he wanted to say, but I'd like to have him back. And there's been a couple comments on covering Mage. There's also been some comments on doing some more OSR type stuff and some other games. I don't I don't know. Um, we're definitely going to stay focused on Palladium. I want to also look back at some uh, like Absolute Power and Bessem, Big Eye, Small Mouth. I was really hoping that Heathen Dog would pick up on that simply because he does the point-based game systems better than I do. But, uh, you know, Mark McKinnon has been cool to our channel. Plus, I like Absolute Power conceptually, so maybe I'll, maybe I'll just have to take the time to learn that. But that'll be, that'll be much in the future. Uh, let us know what your thoughts, opinions, and uh, stay tuned for talents. I know it was way longer than 20 seconds, but I wanted that subscribe thing up there for 20 seconds because that's what it is when you do the, when you pop the YouTube things up or the next video you can watch, you know, those things that pop up at the end of videos are 20 seconds long. So 
All right, let me get uh, everything prepared here. Okay, was great. You talking about? Um, are you you're talking about Mark McCain? Yeah, Mark McCain was cool. And, and here's the thing I'll say about him: I don't know this. Hell, I don't know Kevin and Sean's political leanings. Mark McKinnon was a politician in Canada. I think like a mayor, if I remember it was, uh, if I remember correctly. I'm sure he's a leftist. But he doesn't bring it up in his games, and he doesn't bring it up to us, which makes him okay. Kevin might be as well. I don't know. We don't talk politics. And that's cool. That's all hashtag RPGate is about. Don't browbeat us over nonsense. You know? So, uh, yeah, uh, so the, it's people who are like that, I want to shout out. People who, uh, who will just want to make good games. And, I mean, I have it sitting here still. I, I have to go through it, but try t- uh, stat score core. I mean, try stat system seems pretty easy to me until I start looking at... Hold on, where'd that chart go? I just saw it, too. Okay. I know that's uh that's not the chart. Oh, I lost it. Oh, here we go. <laughs> Wait, this is what it takes to do an action round? Wait a second here. What am I missing? So, uh, but it only has three attributes. But yeah, I would probably do more absolute power than I would Bessem, but who knows? You know, one of the things that I'm looking at doing for next year is I'm do less deep dives and more things like let's make a character. Let's uh We get lots of questions, or not questions, lots of commentary about, can you make a character? Can you make this OCC? Can you make this? And, you know, sometimes I think we feel that, well, we've already made a character that's done. Oh, man, let's make another one. You know how many characters I used to make for games when I was in in school or when I first joined the Air Force? You know, Crafty's been doing this on Twitter. I don't know if he still is, but he was doing it on Twitter where he's, like, making one character a day. Man, I used to have paper all over the floor. I'd make characters for every game. Like I I make four or five different characters for AD&D 2nd Edition or Shadowrun or Earthdawn or whatever. It's fun making characters. So I, I think that is one of the things that uh, we can do more of is making characters. But that, but that's just one aspect of it. We can also go through that chart. We can do more process-oriented stuff and maybe a few less deep dives, but we'll see. Anyway, I lost all chat, so let's go back here. Um, like to see more Bessem? Max made characters he never used for games he didn't even play. How is that funny? Yeah, I mean, gamers do that all the time. And I was also a game master, so um, I made lots of characters that I would use as NPCs. <laughs> uh, Alright, let's... Pages this on. Where where, where my talents go? There they are. Full screen that thing. Page 59. All right, for the next part of segment one, I don't know, can we call it segment one? It's just me today. But we are going to talk about talents. And yes, talents are the same across all the games in terms of how they're used. There are minor abilities, tricks, and moves for the characters. And these aren't much different. However, the ones we are definitely going to cover are the ones that are involved the 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 core classes of the game so remember every character can pick one of three that are relevant just to that role that class and uh, we're going to take a look at those the general ones we'll just kind of look over quickly but what kind of tips tips wow what kind of tricks and moves 
can you give your character? Well, we will find out here in just a moment. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill Stream, where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. All right, so we're going to talk about talents here. Uh, just, just a quick thing for the folks in chat. That was a really good idea for uh, making a Rifts character. Yeah, it's a Palladium game. He, the reason I say Heathen Dog's better at that than me is because he focuses a little bit more on the numbers. I'm not saying he's a min-maxer, although he easily could be, but he focuses a bit more on the numbers and, and what works better. I focus on themes. So my character would be more thematic. His would be more um, scientific, if that makes sense. I, I think that'd be the way to say it. And it's not that he can't do the other or I can't do the other. It's just that's our trend. So if you just want a, char a random character made, oh, I could do it. But if you want a good character made, <laughs> he would be better at that. So, all right, page 54. So, 59. I got it right the first time. All right, so, as before, the talents are those, those tricks that your character can do. Remember, it's one, or it's three, but you get to pick one for your starting character. And it's one of these three. So the investigator gets to pick intuition, many faces, or well-connected. I don't think we're going to read all of these for all of the... Uh, okay, I've got to look back here. I, I know it's roles for Mutant Year Zero. What is it called here? Is it just called Air? Airs of Doom, blah, blah, blah. Okay, scroll down here. Sorry, it's just bothering me. I'm not using the right term, and I want to use the right term for the game. Your air, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's going to be in here. This is taking up time. It's wasting time. This is a live stream, folks. It just happens to be in video format. <laughs> oh my god. There, oh, uh, is it say here? Profession. Okay, it's a profession in this game. All right, got it. So, so for each of the professions, there are, are going to be three that you can pick. And I don't think we're going to go through all the professions, but we are going to talk about a few, and that might be interesting. Probably one for each one, just say. So let's look at many faces. That one sounds kind of neat here. So for the investigator, you can choose the talent many faces, which means you are skilled at changing your appearance with the help of clothes and makeup. You can use this skill to avoid being recognized or to resemble someone else. Creating a disguise requires some hours of work. To see through your disguise, others must roll for sense emotion against your manipulate role. So that means it is going to be an opposed role. 
If you're trying to, oh, sense emotion. There we go. That's the opposed one from the last video. That's the opposed for uh, manipulate. Yeah. If you're trying to resemble someone, the target knows the GM can impose a negative modification to the role. Here's my experience for anything, and I'm not. Uh, I have not done Mutant Elysium as a game. I have done Year Zero Engine games, but I have not done Mutant Elysium. But I'll tell you that my experience for games like this, where this works out best when you're trying to do something from the distance. When you're trying to be like, what was was General Kerensky over there? I think he was. When you got a camera shoved in your face, or you're trying to manipulate somebody that the person knows that knows you, that doesn't work out so well. Um, there's a Battletech novel that even kind of gets into that, which I thought was a bit cartoonish, but to be fair, it was the first ever Battletech novel made, and that's um, Sword and Dagger. Not a good novel, and not just because the outcome, and I'm a Capellan, uh, but not uh, because it was a bit cartoonish. But uh, the cloned, actually cloned, the House Lord. So, okay, now that person really does look like the person acts like the person has the same mannerisms unfortunately there was one little idiosyncrasy that was wrong and then he was caught blah blah in this case you're just using disguise you're not gonna you're not gonna trick somebody's best friend from doing this from three feet away but you could trick that best friend from two blocks away dude i saw you in new york city last week i wasn't in new york city no i know it was you i saw you there dude so that that's how that uh, ability works the best all right uh, let's look at officer now command you can roll for command this one's funny to me it's like get your butt back out there you can roll for command instead of heal to get a broken person back on his feet hey that's i didn't order you to die get back in there so that is kind of funny i like that but the one i wanted to look at more is uh feared enemy you can use the command skill to strike terror in your enemies. Make an opposed roll for command against your target's sense of motion. The target must be able to hear and understand what you are saying. If you, are, if you win the roll, the target takes one point of doubt for each success you roll. This is kind of the John Wayne thing, okay? <laughs> like, oh, crap, who's on the other side there? That's General Patton. Oh, no. <laughs> no. The Procurator's talents. Um... Public servant, this one is not a good one until you're out in the zone. I know somebody in the comments at some point is going to disagree with me on that, and I understand where you're coming from. For my personal taste, though, this is not good until you've gone through the Elysium story and you're out in the zone. Patty Fogger, oh, is it, uh, no, no, it's prosecute. Oh, uh, sorry, defender. You can roll for prosecute. If you or another patrol member has been exposed as a double agent. Remember what the game's about? If the role succeeds, you successfully exonerate yourself or your client, avoiding any punishment. When defending someone in your patrol, you can always stipulate a form of payment for your service, whether it be currency, a favor, or something else. This is a great way to help your family out. <laughs> so yeah, Procurator's looking kind of cool, isn't he? The scholar's talent. Uh, which one was the one I liked here? Mm, zone. This is another one that's good once you're out in the zone. You theoretically could use this one a little bit more, uh, even at the introduction. But uh, let's see. No, let's let's uh, use judge a character. You have studied human body language carefully and have learned to see the signs of lies and manipulation. You can roll for enlighten. Which remember that's the special skill that uh, a lot of these. Uh, that's another thing. A lot of these uh, 
profession-based talents go to that profession's special skill. Uh, you can roll for enlightenment instead of sense of motion when resisting somebody's attempt to manipulate you. Soldier's talents, beefy biomechatronic. We're going to look at biomechatronic mechatronic here because uh, not only two classes get biomechatronic from the start. Professions, I said classes, but professions. Now, anybody can get it because I, if I remember correctly, this is actually a general talent also. Zoom in one more. But to start the game, only two can get it, and one of them is the soldier. You have a biomechatronical implant, which we'll cover in two videos. So if you're watching this on the day that this video releases, in two days, you'll get uh, the biomechatronics video, and we'll talk about what those are. They're basically uh, mutant elysium cybernetics. You can choose from the list. You can only choose this talent during character creation. Okay, during play, all professions will be able to buy biomechatronical implants. Okay, so it's not a, uh, so it's not a, uh, what do you call it? Uh, a talent that you get later it's just you anybody can do it got it so but it's one of two professions that can start the game with it and there are a couple of neat ones i mean a lot of people i can see jump into laser eye <laughs> and i can understand why but okay uh let's see it's another one here now we're at the technicians this is the other one that gets the biomechatronic yeah field surgeon and grease monkey let's look at field surgeon you have knowledge of human anatomy and can use the tinker skill instead of heal to save a life. That's right, you can fix somebody up. <laughs> uh, of someone who has suffered a lethal critical injury. This is not about being broken. This is the critical injury table. Oh crap, you're about to bleed out. That femoral, that femoral was cut. Um, you suffered crushed ribs. I, I don't know all the critical injuries in the book, but you've got the, it's life-threatening. Well, Hey, you know what? I can't heal you, but I can tinker you. The doc is now. Maybe you're doing this to the doc, the guy who can actually heal somebody. Well, you tinker him back. Anyway, you cannot replace heal in other situations. For example, uh, getting a person back on his feet. So this is not healing broken. This has nothing to do with attributes. This is specifically about critical injury. It's like the bone saw. Yeah, there you go, nerdy ogre, a body fixer and an operator. Now, the rest of these are general... Wow, we went through those really quickly. Maybe we could talk about more of them, but uh, the general talents. Backstab, you can roll for the sneak skill instead of the fight skill when performing a sneak attack. Double wielder, it's minus two if you're shooting the same person, minus three if you're shooting two, other pe uh, two different people. Uh, let's see. Machine at heart, you're abnormally resistant to machine fever. What's machine fever? Well, when we do the biomechatronics me video, you will know... People who have biomechatronics probably want this one because biomechatronics suffers the same issues as mutations in Mutant Year Zero and uh, the feral powers in Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, where it's almost a detriment to use your powers. But you can ignore one failure, one bane, they call them now, when uh, reading the fever table. Okay? I, if you've got biomechatronics, you want this. Robot Hunter. When using this talent while attacking a robot, you can choose which attribute. Remember, in Mutant Mechatron, I didn't cover it initially, but I, then I went back and realized, because you know, somebody chewed me out and was actually right uh, about that I should have... Because there's a big difference between Mutant Mechatron and the rest of the games, where you roll a random part to see what's hurt. Well, here, 
If you attack a robot, you can choose which attribute of the robot you want to damage. It's not a random roll. Or if you want to damage a specific module, which, again, are the talents for the robots. But, of course, you have to have the Mutant Mechatron book to do that. Rot resistant. There isn't a lot of rot down here in Mutant Elysium, but there is some. Is that it? That is it. Man, we're flying through these things. Again, I'm, I'm only talking, you know, doing one of them. I don't know if there's anything else on here you guys think is interesting that, uh, that you want to look at. True Grit is a pretty cool one. Um, I think that's it. I don't really think that we need to uh, cover any more. Uh, you know, let's just bring this up. I think I've mentioned this in the other videos, but uh, we'll do it here again. Uh, the other books include more talents. If you have access to those books, you can use all of the general talents included in the other books. Now, be careful with the Mutant Mechatron ones, <laughs> okay? Mutant Mechatron ones are a little different. And notice it doesn't even say Mutant Mechatron here. So, Mutant User, Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, you can include those. So. And, of course, they can learn the ones from Elysium if you have all the books. They are expansions. I, I guess that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to keep these quick. Maybe, maybe the videos will do better if I keep them quick. Uh, and, yeah, that's it for chat. So if you've got any comments out there, let, let me know what those comments are. Um, those are talents. Remember, there are profession-based talents. You get one to start the game. The general talents you can have as soon as the game starts, and you can perfect... Uh, sorry, you can select, you can pay for, the other two profession-based talents, too, of your own profession. There is a way, and I think I talked about it. Not sure if I did, but I think I talked about it in the original Mutant Year Zero series. You'll have to go back and check. There is a way to change your profession. I would say don't know. Just, you know your role, play it. But there is a way to change it, to kind of become multi-professioned, if you want to call it that, in the game. It has, it has some drawbacks to it, like you'd expect, but it also, you know, has some strengths to it. So essentially... You don't get to improve anything from your old profession, and now you get the new profession stuff. It's it's oversimplified, but that's basically what it is. So with that, please like, subscribe, and share. Hope you like this video. And next video will be on contacts, which is now unique to Mutant Elysium. Skills and talents, you know, again, the other games have those as well, even if uh, Mutant Mechatron calls them different names. But uh, the, the contacts, that's new. And now we're going to see how those fit in. See that uh, in tomorrow's video. All right, take care. All right, so uh, let's get to the contacts page. That is going to be page 63. Kind of breezing through this stuff today. I'm probably skipping stuff that I don't always normally skip, but uh, you know when you've covered it four or five times, apparently nobody wants it. I, wow, 13 people watching. I don't think I've had numbers that low in, in, in a long, long time. Apparently nobody likes Mutant Year Zero. Too bad. I do. And as a side note for you folks out there, I probably already, well, I know I already said it, but uh, I'll say it again just for the people on the stream. Kevin and Sean like the Free League games. All right, we are now moving on to contacts. Mutant Year Zero has mutations. Mutant Gen Lab Alpha has the animal powers. Mutant Mechatron has uh, is it secondary systems. It's not the modules, or is it the modules? 
I think it no, I think it is the modules. The modules. It kind of as your powers, right? Well, these are not mutated beings. And sure, we can say that biomechatronics is your special power, but we're gonna get into those in the next video. What your special power is are your contacts. Because remember, this is a game of intrigue. This game is about who you know more so than what you know or having some sort of unique special ability. And we're going to get into more of that here in just a moment. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. All right, there we go. There's our fun cover of the dude being pushed down the shaft because he probably said the wrong thing to the wrong person. He even looks kind of older, right? So he was living a good life, and then, oh, bye. Well, he didn't have contacts to save him, so let's uh, let's take a look at these contacts. Was it 63, did I say? 67. Oh. Oh, I was way off. Oh, it was 63 for real <laughs> in the book. There we go. Now, we're going to spend a little more time reading some of this because we've never co uh, covered something like contacts before. So you are a dynast, a descendant and heir to the rich and powerful elites who against all odds escaped the fall and survived in the depths. As a member of one of the houses, you are never alone. You are part of a vast and powerful social network. Despite your role as adjudicator, your most important assets are neither biomechatronics nor gauss guns. Oh yeah, uh, we're not going to talk about them, but uh, there are gauss guns in the game. Your most powerful resource and weapons are your contacts. And game masters have to be ready for this, and you, so do you. If you're not allowing the characters to use their contacts, that's like telling a mutant that he's not using his superpowers. Or his mutations, I should say. Not really superpowers. Or an animal they can't use his claws. It doesn't make any sense. And contacts are going to be inconvenient for you as, as a game master. There's one really good caveat. You can see half of it on the screen right now. It's for that communication section. But these are meant to be used by the players' characters, so let them, unless that communication thing can't, uh, can't be fulfilled. Because there is another drawback that we'll get to in just a moment. This chapter describes 20 different in-game contacts. We are not going to read them all. We'll look them over, but we're not going to read them all. We'll probably pick two or three. These contacts are also available on the playing cards, which I have. Uh, in the custom card deck for Mutant Elysium. You don't need them. They're in the book. At the beginning of the game, you get a number of contacts determined by your age. And if you go back to uh, the video where you talked about your heir, maybe I called it your adjudicator. I'm not sure your character, but uh, you'll see that there, how many you get. And you can gain more contacts get during gameplay. You choose which contacts you want, but each is unique and may not be shared by any other player. This goes back to the whole Mutant Mechatron thing where you don't get to share body parts. There's only one contact for you. You will have to agree on who gets which contacts, allowing chance to decide through dice rolls if there's no consensus. NPCs don't have contacts, we don't care. So, how do you activate a contact? 
You can impel a contact at any moment during gameplay by using one or more influence points. That's as simple as that. Like, how many influence points do you have? I have two. Well, there you go. You can impel a contact to do two influence points worth of stuff for you right then and there, even if it doesn't make sense. Sort of. There is no die roll required, but you always run the risk of backlash, which we'll talk about in a bit. This is important point number one, communication. This is an important caveat. To employ a contact, you must be able to communicate with the contact in some way that the GM finds reasonable. It could be a walkie-talkie. It could be sending a, a message. Of course, that's not going to be an immediate response, you know, sending through carrier pigeon or something. But you have to have a means of, con of contacting your contact. If you can, then it's as immediate as it takes for that message to happen and the contact to get there. Uh, so some contacts are specifically exempt from this rule, and we might take a look at one of those. Influence points. So you have to have these things called influence points to make this happen. Prior to each gaming session, you receive a number of influence points equal to your house total number of con control points in the strategic game. That's right. If <laughs> Your house. And remember, the other characters are from other houses. So you're screwing over the other players in the game, so to speak. But you're going to have more uh, uh, influence points that can potentially, not guaranteed, but potentially benefit your character. You gain additional influence points by cultivating your contacts, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. You may not save unused influence points from gaming session to the next. That is right. You cannot save them. I don't think this is part of any other game. Every other game you can save up to a maximum of 10. This was like, nope, once the game's over or that session's over, you're done. I might be a little more lenient on the session thing and make it more of an adventure thing. I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, I, just in my head, depending on the session and what goes on, I might not uh, limit it to session, but you know, we'd see. And you can never have more than 10. So in the social game, you must both give and take. And if you know anything about the free league games, even when you do manipulation roles, there's always a give and take. Well, now you have contacts. You've got to butter up that contact even more. Because this is somebody you're associating with and is going to get you out of a jam. This isn't just trying to like, you know, uh, convince somebody that, uh, you know, to sell you some ammo. This is somebody who might have to risk his life for you. So your contacts have their own interests. Uh, and in order for them to help you, you sometimes need to help them. Once per game session, you can cultivate a contact. Select one of your contacts and describe a service you perform or, or to care for the contact. You are free to come up with what you like, but it's usually something related to your profession. You can handle this sum, uh, summarily with a simple dice roll or play out in detail how to help your contact with something. I, you know, I'm, I'm hit and miss on this one. Part of me would be like, you know, I don't want to deal with all four characters' contacts because then... We're not going to have a game session doing something else. At the same time, this makes for great filler sessions. Maybe even one-on-one -on -one sessions if you want to do it that way. So, you can even give the GM ideas for whole storylines in your campaign. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cultivating contact gives you one to three extra influence points. See the table for details. All right. Uh, so, you perform a significant service, but without risk yourself, you'll get one. You sacrifice something valuable to you for your contact. Now, your contact has to know that you sacrificed that thing. 
Otherwise, why would you get more influence points with them? You didn't know you actually sacrificed something or you risk your life for the contact. That's three, bam, three points. And we'll, we'll look at how to spend those points when we read each, uh, each contact in a moment here. Backlash. Your contacts can be of great help, but the social arena is full of pitfalls, especially in the political wranglings of Elysium, right? For each influence point you use when you activate a contact, roll a base die. If you roll one or more successes. So this goes back to using mutations. It's the same thing as using mutation or animal power. This is the equivalent of mutations animal power. You roll that, if you spend, and you're not spending feral points, you're not spending mutation points, and you're not spending, um, what is it for the robot? Energy points. You're now spending influence points. And when you roll, if I want to spend three influence points, we're in a pickle here, I want to spend three influence points, I roll those three dice, don't I have, I have three mutant year zero dice right here. Let me roll those things. It says base dice, let me grab actual base, hey, don't fall. We're going to do this. I know you're not going to see the roll, but I have actual Mutant Year Zero dice here. I like the original ones. They're more easily red. I don't like these fancy ones. They're just yellow green. Here we go. I'm rolling the dice. And I got a... Uh-oh. Well, <laughs> so I got a two. All right. I got a... Ooh, a success. Bam. And I got a... Uh-oh. I don't know if you can see that. That's our little symbol here. That's this guy right here. So, something unexpected happened. Rolled another base die to check the table. Well, let's do that. Let's do that right now. I got a four. What's a four? A four says, usually one through five are bad, only six is good. The contact does as you ask, but wants a payment of D6 credits for its efforts. Holy balls, that's a lot. Well, let's see what it is. Maybe it's one, but still. Credits are not cheap. This isn't like you have 100 of them. You're rich if you have like you know 10 to 20. Um, that's, a, that's a one. Okay. Well, I did roll a one, thank God. So I only owe him one, one credit for it. He's like, you know, grease the palms a little bit here, buddy, if you want me to help you out. So that's how that works. And I had that on the screen. You can pause it if you want to read those. Here, I'll go back to the first two. Uh, yeah. So you can pause it. There. Boom. Okay. So now we know how the contact works. Now, again, we are not going to look at all 20 descriptions other than to look at the name of them. We're going to look at, like, uh, maybe we'll do three or four. This is going kind of quickly. We can do maybe three or four. So you can have an assassin, right? And here, I'll leave it on the screen long enough for you to pause it if you want to read what that says. We are going to look at the black sheep. We're going to look at the ones with the interesting names. You have a sibling. So you have a brother or sister, right? Who has developed psionic powers. Remember, psionic powers, biomechatronics, they're all shunned by the elites. Yeah. This, of course, is extremely shameful, and the sibling is rarely released from the family's estates. But sometimes, her powers can come in handy. Note that this contact can only be used if you have accent, uh, access to Mutant Year Zero, because it's going to be one of the Mutant Year Zero powers. Corporate. Zone Compendium 5, Hotel Imp Imperator, has even more information about psionic powers. And here, guys, always going to be shit because my shorts right up, so let me... There you go. Um, which one is it? Oh, right there. 
There we go. In your zero hotel imperator. And I have not read through this, uh, but apparently it has more powers in here. And by the way, just so you guys know, these zone books here, let me find a good page. Yeah, there's one. These zone books are written just like the main books. Same types of pages. I mean, it's soft cover, but same types of pages, full color print. So I'm really disappointed that they don't sell. I think they sell like three of them now. They don't sell all of them. Probably giving away some spoilers, but whatever. Um, yeah, so very good quality stuff. I, ho I hope they make some more. And there are a few of them. They haven't made any recently, though, which is sad. Although you can always use the, um, the Free League Workshop, which you can find on DriveThruRPG, unfortunately, not Big Geek uh, Emporium. But, uh, and get other people's creations as well. Hey, I created a module for Forbidden Lands. But we'll talk about that when we get into Forbidden Lands. Oh. All right, uh, so, effect. Determine randomly which sonic mutation your sibling has. Now, you do this at your character creation or when you pick up the contact. You don't do it at the time that you, you know, spend the points and summon the contact. In exchange for IP, the sibling will use this mutation to help you. This number of, uh, the number of mutant points, okay, the number of mutant points that can be used is equal to the number of IP you spend. So. The way you summon this character, this contact, is this is one of those characters where you could spend all 10. If you wanted, you could spend all 10 of your IP <laughs> to summon this character and have that character use all 10 mutation points for whatever ability it is. Or you could just do one or two. It depends on what the mutation is. It depends on what your needs are at that time. Not all of these can you spend 10. Like, I think the assassin, you can only spend up to three, if I remember correctly. Uh, yeah, the cost one to three, depending on who the target is. Oh, and um, if you suffer backlash, the assassin comes and tries to kill you. Isn't that fun? So let's uh, you can have a butler, a club owner. That's right, there are clubs there. Is there anything on this side? No, it doesn't look like it. Favorite child, deadbeat child. We're gonna look at deadbeat child. That's another one I want to look at. You have an adult son or daughter who constantly disappoints you. <laughs> He or she never succeeds in living up to your very reasonable expectations. Uh, to, help, to help you when needed is the least he or she can do. Now, one of the things I'm going to say about this is, yes, I would limit this to people who took the character as an elder, as a minimum adult, but probably an elder or, or ancient or older or whatever they call it. I wouldn't let a young a, a young character have this as a contact because the the your kid is going to be your age. So no. When you spend one IP, your child comes immediately and helps you complete a die roll for a general skill. The roll succeeds automatically. I mean, you just put your kid possibly in danger. So you know. Now, why was the kid there? You need to have a really good, <laughs> good game master for that. I mean, of course, was the kid there or were you like, boop, 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 boop. hey, Junior, get your butt over here and do something useful in your life. And then you wait for him to show up. No. So. All right. Uh, dear uncle, faithful spouse. You can imagine what some of these are. There's a couple more I want to look at. Favorite child, that's kind of funny. Feared father, nope, nope, that wasn't one. At least it doesn't. Grandfather's trope. 
Yeah, we're going to look at this one because it has a little bit different effect. Your house has accumulated precious items for generations. Your old grandfather has made his life mission to safeguard this legacy. That's right, he who dies with the most toys wins. Your grandfather can search for any object within the family's vaults. A normal item available for purchase in the Enclave community costs one IP. A rare or expensive item costs two IP, and a specific and unique item, you know that Goss gun? Cost three IP. The GM has the last word about what is possible. Now again, Game Masters, let them spend the IPs. At the same time, don't let them... Again, be careful of character rationalization on some things, but you should let the characters use these content. They're spending the points for it, and they're possibly suffering backlash. Think about it. If you piss off Granddad, who has all this stuff, you might be cut out of the will. You must return the item after you've used it. You cannot activate this contact again until you do so. So Gramps gave you the item, and you think you're going to hold on to it and ask him for another one. He's like, nah, nah, sonny boy, you got to bring that back. Judge, one of the four judges in the tribunal. Okay, it is called tribunal. Now that drives me crazy. It's four judges. That's not a tribunal. Uh, okay, uh, let's move on. Lone Shark, that's right. And if you don't pay him back within, was it uh, a week? Oh, a D6 days. Must be repaid with... That means he, you could roll for tomorrow. Um, let's see. Anything else up there? No. We have... There are a couple more really cool ones. At least name-wise. Mentor. Snitch. Oh, yeah. We're going to look at the snitch. Uh, Paramour. You have a secret romantic relationship. Wait, wait. This one had something weird to it. I forgot what it was. Uh, you have a secret romantic relationship with someone you should not... Oh, maybe. Ooh, this is uh, Romeo and Juliet stuff going on here. Here she is influential, has a large network of contacts, and wields extensive influence that you can use for your own pursuits, but the costs are great. When you enable this contact, you can use any of the other available 19 contacts because you're using it through this person, and you're just being like, oh, yeah, that person has a rich grandpa. This is your lover's contact, not your own. However, the cost in IP is double the normal, the normal amount, which means higher chance for things to go wrong powerful mother rich aunt thug snitch oh what's the one above snitch robot servant she's a mutant mechatron character with um snitch you have a friend in the underworld who has eyes on everything that happens in the enclave for one ip you can get information about an individual or event in the enclave such as the location of a person or something this is a good ci type thing right like this this is your criminal informant uh if the information uh, if the information might put the informant at risk the gm may raise the price to two or three ip note this contact cannot be used to reveal which house is behind an incident in the enclave that's because that would spoil like everything you have to do the investigation on that. and thug is that it that is it so hopefully that gave you an idea of the different types of contacts in there we looked over all the names we looked at stuff i did see chat moving a little bit so we're going to uh that over just a moment here. Right. Grandfather's Trove. I like the Grandfather's Trove one. All right, let's see what we got for chat. Stop sharing. Boom. Let's bring this over here so I can read it. Yeah, contacts are neat. Um, again, they act just like the right of the other powers and animal abilities and so forth, but in a different, uh, different format. Uh, do, do, do. Why would Assassin leave you alive? You can now expose him. Well, again, there's a professional courtesy you give Assassins, right? 
In this case, maybe that's what he felt. Or maybe as you were killing, as he was killing his target, that target said, hey, look, you're going to kill me anyway. You got to complete your job, but uh, kill him in return and you can have, have uh, you know, I'll give you the code to my treasure trove or something. Okay, I'm way exaggerating there, but you get what I'm saying. He could have been paid off. Or maybe you killed, I saw you. You, you killed my father. The good news is, is that puts me in control of the family now. The bad news is I've got a loose end with you. I have to avenge. But you know what? I'll get the politics. I'll, 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 I'll grease those palms. I'll work those wheels to defame uh, the, the person who hired you. All you have to do is kill him. You know, there, there are things that, uh, that you can obviously do to give that more of a story element. So... Um. All right. Uh, so, grandfather trove sounds like my family. If I if I need it, I'm almost guaranteed to find it. Well, my grand oh, what my grandpa has a shop. Yeah, my grandfather had a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, things for mechanics and so forth. I hell, I didn't know it until he died that my grandfather was a millionaire. And before uh, before you think that I'm rich, he gave it all charity, which is his right to do. I've, I've told this story to people in the past, like, oh, your grandfather, your grandmother and grandfather were assholes, they should have gave it to you, and you're no. It's their money, they earned it. Grandfather fought in World War II, <laughs> you know, he has the right to do with his money what he wants. I'm grateful that, that he got to be my grandfather, so, um, I mean, would I have loved to have a million dollars? Hell yeah! <laughs> but I'm not gonna fault him for that, he gave it to what he believed in. So, good for him. So, uh, let's see. There are folks with treasured heirlooms that went through great pains to get what they've got. Yeah. They're darn right they'd want it back. Exactly. Exactly. All right. We've got one more video for today to go through. I'm sorry. That'll release tomorrow. <laughs> to, to go through. And that's going to be biomechatronics. And just think of those as the cybernetics of of uh, mutant elysium i don't know why it's called biomechatronics but do you know what the game uses uh terms like that and it gives it a unique flair as well uh it's reminds a reminder to ever to kiss up your grandparents no my grandparents were awesome they absolutely were my grandparents were awesome and even my mom who kind of took care of some of their money towards the later end of life had no clue she's like did you know this i didn't know this and i took care of their money um so, yeah, but nope, they gave it to charity, which is what they want to do. Again, if you live 90 some years, you're allowed to give your money to whomever you want. And uh, I am not going to fault my grandparents for that. I respect my grandparents. With that said, we're not going to end on a bummer like that. We're going to say like, subscribe and share for more of these videos. Next week is going to be Mutant Elysium. And what do you do there? We're going to we're going to talk about how to build up your political power. We're going to talk about a little bit of what's going on in the background, just a little bit, because a lot of spoilers and I can't give away the spoilers so that you can run through. We're generally just going to talk about what Mutant Elysium characters do in case you haven't already figured that out. So that'll be next week. But the video coming up will be on biomechatronics. Get that off the screen. Get that on the screen. Yeah, I had to squish. Look how much I had to squish that text. <laughs> so I make my eyes water. So uh, uh, that. Okay, and what page do I need to be on for the book this time? This is a weird page because it's like in the middle of a chapter. Uh, that's it. Was it like 136 or something like that? 
Yes, 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 yes. Uh, you know what? I'll actually start here and show some of the, uh, the artifacts as well. Because this is going to be a short segment. All right, for the final segment today for our... Oh, I didn't even get that page number. I'm an idiot. <laughs> for our, some, our Mute Elysium, we're going to talk about biomechatronics. That's right, the implants that you can get for your character. And uh-oh, what is this whole machine fever thing? Well, I'm sure people have played other cyberpunk games, or some of you have, and you've heard of things like cyberpsychosis. It's something similar, but we are going to take a deeper dive into that in just a moment. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national, nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Chill Stream, where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. Boom, there we are with our Mutant Elysium book again. You know, one of the things I do want to say for the folks who watch this on as the actual live stream who are in chat right now, I appreciate you guys putting up with the how we format this for the video aspect of it later on. I know you guys understand why we do it, but I do thank you for it because seeing that same intro probably four times on a live stream probably get does get a little annoying but uh no hey uh you guys are awesome you guys support us well and i and i do want to thank you for putting up with some of the shenanigans that we have to do in order to make decent videos you know throughout the week so now with that said let's get into here and uh 141 oh no i said i was going to show you guys the uh artifacts and and so we got artifacts and biomechatronics so we're not going to get into purchasing and so forth. Uh, this is what it costs in credits. So remember, a person with 10 credits is does have a pretty decent amount of money because you can buy a patrol hovercraft for that, okay? I mean, it takes 15 for energy armor. And what, let's see, what is energy armor? We'll take a look at what energy is. This, by the way, this is not biomechatronics yet. These are just the artifacts. These are things that you can get from your grandpa. You know what I'm talking about? Watch the previous video. <laughs> Gramp, grandpa's probably got one. So energy armor. Uh, what does it say? It says an advanced experimental armor created for combat is extremely ha in, in extremely hazardous environments. The armor is made of black composite material that covers the entire body, including the head. Electrodes in the helmet read the wearer's brain signals and amplify all movements automatically. Wow, isn't this technology so, so different from Mutant Year Zero, Mutant Gen Lab? Well, Mutant Gen Lab Alpha, at least you live in a pristine uh, wilderness. But it's so different from everything else that's falling apart. Here, look at all this technology you got. Armor rating 12. Now, 
so that you're not confused in case you've played other uh, Year Zero Engine games. In Mutant Year Zero, armor rating of 12 means you roll 12 dice. That's what it means. 12 dice to try to stop damage. Every six is considered a success. So essentially, you have an average armor rating here of stopping two points of damage. Unless you're really like crap. And chance are you going to be able to stop three or four points of damage. So it's pretty heavy armor. That's some good stuff. Uh, It's armor rating uh, against both damage and zone rot. Oh, geez. So out in the zone, this is amazing. Gear bonus plus three to force fight and move. That means when you're punching somebody, again, you're in ba- you're basically wearing an exoskeleton. For Battletech fans, here's your elemental, man. For modern people, this is your Asher. That's right. I said, go check out Land and Sea by Blaine Lee Pardo, and you'll know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, Asher. Uh, eliminates all negative effects of darkness. So you got night vision. Has an energy weapon, although it requires an E-pack. Uh, and it's an electronic item. Costs 15, but also has a development requirement of technology 80, and you're like, what does that mean? Well, if you've watched the old Mutant Year Zero video on the Ark, you'll know what that means. You're like, hey, we're not in the Ark yet. Well, guess what? Mutant Elysium also has development level. So, dev bonus, technology D6, defense D6. That's what it gets uh, gives you for having it. All right, and there's your Gauss pistol. If you want to stop, uh, pause that, you can. All right, let's get to the biomechatronics, because that's what we're going to talk about. Biomechatronics. Zoom in on that so you guys can see it. Look, I, I know some of you watch on phones. I don't understand that. I'm old, I guess, but I don't do anything on my phone. Yep, that pretty much ends right there. I don't do anything. I don't even talk on the phone. Um... Over the decades of isolation, Elysium researchers have been working to modify and improve humanity in order to one day survive on the desolate surface. Two research fields made great leaps forwards. Xenogenetics, which is a big spoiler right there. All right, you can scroll back and see what that spoiler was. (laughs) Oh, sigh. We've talked about it before, though. Uh, Biomechatronics seeks to enhance and improve mankind with mechanical implants. This research made incredible advances in Elysium 1 during the early years of the Enclave. Due to the risk of machine fever, which we'll talk about below, biomechatronic implants are relatively uncommon among the highborn. Ew, I will not put that in my body. I am not going to interface with such dirty, uncultured, uncivilized uh, metal. Gross. Most members of the house usually avoid biomechatronics altogether or have very discreet implants. By contrast, biomechatronics are very common among the Enclave workers. Hey, man, you know, nobody gives a crap about us anyway. We just want to survive. So let's wear stuff in us that's going to help us survive. Many of them have large and rough implants. Entire body parts can be built from metal and ceramics, either to replace those lost to damage or simply to make the worker stronger and more durable. Work harder, slave! Over time, large biomechatronic implants have become a trend among the workers who show off their implants with pride. Ew, look at the rabble. Implants. 20 common implants are described below and summarized in the table on the next page. And just before, make more for your game if you want to. Nothing limits you to these 20. Look them over, and if you find something that you think would be neat for your game, relate it to something that you find here, and make more. Using implants. Biomechatronic implants function as artifacts and usually have an associated gear bonus. Makes sense. 
A reduced gear bonus can be fixed by... Oh, so basically a reduced gear bonus means if it's damaged, if the biomechatronic implant is damaged, by a technician in the same way as artifacts. All implants count as electronic items. When a skill... So when a skill roll using a bonus from an implant is made, there's also a risk of triggering machine fever. See below. There's nothing below. So let's go to the side. Uh, player characters or soldier technicians may take a biomechatronic implant during character creation, but of course you have to take that talent to do that, right? Any PC can buy a biomechatronic throughout the course of the game. The cost and credits is shown with each implant. This cost covers both the implant and the surgery. Grafting implants. This is funny, by the way. I love this grafting. <laughs> grafting an implant requires a surgical procedure. This is risky. All right, makes sense. The patient is automatically broken. You are down to zero. Boop. And my guess is it's in strength, but maybe you could say fatigue as well. By the procedure and suffers. It's because it doesn't notice it says broken. It doesn't say how you're broken, fatigue, strength. Maybe they're all zeros. Maybe, maybe it's doubt also. You're like, oh crap, what did I do? Why did I do this? Why did I do this? Uh, by the procedure and suffers and suffers a critical injury. Say what? That's right. You suffer a critical injury. This means that the patient risks dying if the surgeon fails his heel roll. So not only does he have to put this crap in you and you have to spend uh, spend points on it, the, the person doing this has to make a heel roll depending on what the critical injury is. Or you could die or go insane or uh, suffer some massive penalties, a stroke. I don't know. We should actually look at that critical chart today. Maybe we can do that. Because we haven't looked at the combat chart since the first uh, first series of Mutant Year Zero. Maybe we can look at that after we look at these uh, uh, implants. Remind me. Somebody in chat, remind me, please. Elysium researchers initially had major plans to strengthen all Enclave residents with biomechatronic implants. But they soon understood the drawbacks of the technology. Replacing large parts of the human body with artificial mis machine prosthetics could trigger violent side effects. The researchers came to call these symptoms machine fever. Pushing the roll. Now, you know that when you push a roll, you take damage, right? Or, no, no, no. Let me, let me back. Not you do take. You can take damage. If you get a one or a bane on the gear dice, you can hurt an attribute. Well, if remember, it already says these things act like artifacts. Well, that's gear dice. So if you roll a one on gear dice, it affects your biomechatronics. It acts as gear. Biomechatronic implants usually have a gear bonus, just like our other artifacts. They differ in what happens when the die roll is pushed and one or more bane comes up. In addition to decrease in gear bonus, minus one per bane, which is normal, right? The character also is also affected by machine fever. The more ones you roll, more banes you roll, the worse the effects will be. Well, let's see. If you roll one bane, patient suffers severe trembling and takes one point of fatigue. That's damage to your agility. Or, I'm sorry, I should say injury. Trauma. Trauma to your... Some of the game terms here, I forget. But yeah, tra trauma to your, uh, your agility. Because remember, damage goes to strength. Two banes, or two... You roll two ones. The patient suffers from chills... Difficulty breathing and uncontrollable shaking. You're having an epileptic fit. Character also loses all agility and is broken by fatigue. The patient can recover as normal. So once you, once you have this, so a soldier will probably just use the, the press on. But you can recover because this is just your attribute stuff. This means you're broken by fatigue, which is your agility. So your agility is down to zero. 
but you can recover as you normally would from uh, from agility. Three or more, three or more ones. Machine psychosis. The patient suffers a violently psychotic episode and attacks any living targets within near range. This violent outburst lasts until the patient is broken by damage. That's strength. During the rage, the patient will foam at the mouth and is immune to all other forms of trauma. Why is it mutant? Why is it that mutant Gen Lab Alpha characters don't get rabies, but mutant Elysium characters do? I'm just asking. <laughs> if no person is within near range, see number two above, which is uh, you're, you're broken by fatigue. After the psychotic rage ends, the patient's empathy score is permanently reduced by one point. Permanently. Hey, what happens if you reach zero? Yeah. Black implants. <laughs> I'm black, y'all. I'm black, y'all. I'm blackly black, 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 y'all. Name the movie. All right. Uh, on the black market in Elysium 1 or in Elysium 1, biomechatronics are available at half price. However, purchasing them entails major risks, like the risks above weren't enough. Less qualified surgeons who offer the so-called black implants have a low heel skill. In addition, a separate gear die must be rolled whenever a black implant is used. This die only determines whether the machine fe uh, fever occurs or not. Yeah, you're rolling an extra die to suffer machine fever. Don't, don't do this. Don't do that. All right, let's look at the implants and how much they cost. You have an air tank, cost three. Communicator, hey, that, that might help with your contacts, right, too. Databanks, we're going to take a look at that one. Seven. Heat vision, interface, we're definitely going to take a look at laser eye also because it's expensive. It is what you think it is, but let's just see what it does in, in game mechanics. There you go, CB4, you're right. Uh, machine arm, machine legs, monofilament. You know, we might look at that one as well because it's a little more interesting than just being a garage. Pain inhibitors. This one's really cool for a soldier, by the way. Uh, overdrive, polygraph, reinforced skull, rot protection, shock grip, target scope, tool hand, trash gut. We're going to look at that because I don't know what it is. I honestly, I don't know what it is. But you knew the other ones. Yeah, I don't think I read this one. Voice amplifier and weapon mount. That's right. You can have a shoulder mount. <laughs> so, so we're definitely going to look at trash gut. All right, there's air tank. Anything over here? communicator databanks databank we'll look at that too the brain is enhanced with large digital storage capacity which grants plus two gear bonus to comprehend rolls up to 40 hours of visual and audio recordings with full accuracy can be saved that's right you can record your sessions data can be played back on an external device via an interface user can also upload and store other digital data it's okay heat vision interface Built-in receptors in the neck or arm allow the user to connect directly to digital data networks. When attempting to influence or understand advanced technical systems, this implant grants aware plus two gear bonus to tinker and comprehend rules. As you can see, uh, some of these these implants, actually a lot of these biomechatronic uh, implants are tailored towards certain professions. All right, here's laser eye. A small but powerful laser is installed in an eye socket. It can be used, let's see, uh, bye-bye eye. It can be used as a weapon with gear bonus plus two. Weapon damage one. So what does that mean? You roll your, uh, your agility, because that's what it'd be, and your ranged combat. Is it called ranged combat in, uh, in 
<laughs> Elysium, I think it is. Your agility plus range combat. Or shoot. I know it's shoot in uh in, in Elysium. So if you've got three dice in agility and three dice in, in uh shoot, that's six dice. Well you add two dice to that, so now you're on eight dice. If you get one or more success, do one point of damage. Plus one, potentially plus one for each uh, additional success, because like every ranged weapon, there's uh or every shoot, the stunts, you can have different effects. Easy way is just say extra damage. And it goes out to short range. With a successful shoot roll, the laser can all... Oh, there it is right there. Shoot. <laughs> the laser can cut through metal such as bars, chains, or a lock. It's a pretty powerful laser. Cost nine, though. Machine arm, machine legs, monofilament. I said we'd look at this because it's, it's a little bit different than just being a monofilament. Hidden in the thumb is a small weight attached to an extremely thin and strong wire, wound around an internal coil. The weight and wire can be thrown like a yo-yo up to near range. What is near range? 10 meters? Is that, is, uh, do I have my ranges right? Because short is 25, if I remember correctly. So near, I think, is 10. This is considered a normal attack in close combat with a gear bonus of plus two. The wire can cut through meat and bones like a hot knife through butter. It's so dangerous that it automatically inflicts a random critical injury if the attack hits a target. Let me highlight that for you. You don't have to spend an extra attack or an extra success. So, it does not cause regular damage, though. It literally only does critical hits. That's it. Just critical hits. Extra successes have no effect. That's all it does is critical hits. So that is kind of neat. All right. Um, overdrive, pain inhibitors. Uh, what I like about pain inhibitors, uh, see the bodies enhanced with extra synthetic glands that numb the pain and fatigue. Skill rolls using strength or agility are always made. So I want you to think about this in the year zero concert. Skill rolls using strength or agility are always made with their full attribute score. So, if you have an attribute, uh, a base attribute, your, your full health, your base strength is 4. And you take 2 points of damage, well, 4 minus 2 is 2. So you're down to 2. And that means you're rolling 2 dice instead of 4 dice. Well, if you have pain inhibitors, you stay rolling 4 dice. You still only have 2 hit points remaining there. I shouldn't use the word hit points, but you, you still only have 2 strength or agility remaining in terms of damage you can only take two more points of damage before you're broken but you roll the dice as if you've taken no damage polygraphy and poor skull rot protection shock grip i want a shocky monkey targeting scope tool hand trash gut we're gonna look at that i don't know what this does i have no clue so what does it say Efficiency of the mouth, throat, and digestive system are vastly improved so that nutrition can be extracted from rubbish. Oh! It'd be a good one for Mutant Year Zero characters to have, right? The taste buds are removed. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for doing that. And the sense of smell is significantly dampened. Yeah, you can't have olfactory senses to eat, uh, you know, nonsense, right? The user can eat almost anything in the zone. Okay, so this is definitely used for eating out in uh, in the Mutant Year Zero aspect of the game, not so much the Mutant Elysium side. But uh, and therefore, never will never need grub if there's organic matter nearby. The implant does not provide protection against rot, so you still you'll still suffer the rot problems, but you don't have to worry about the food being nutritious and safe. 
And weapon mount. Any portable weapon can be mounted in the arm. This allows you to draw the weapon without spending a maneuver. It also conceals with. So you got, you know, it pops out. No. It also conceals the weapon. Others must actively look for the weapon and make a scout roll to spot it. The weapon itself must be purchased separately. Now, I want to note, actively look for so don't roll just randomly to be like, oh, you know what? He noticed your arm come out, so I'm rolling randomly to see if he knows. No, the person must be looking for uh, uh, a, a weapon mount. So the weapon itself must be purchased separately. This implant can be obtained several times, one for each weapon to be mounted. Better have a big arm, jeez. So there you go. There, those are some of them. And here's Mr. Laser Eye. All right. What are you guys saying in chat? Got going on in chat. What do we got here? I don't know what that means. This is more boring than annoying. I don't know what he's talking about at that time. Uh, oh, oh, oh I, I get what you said. Oh, that, yeah, the intro stuff. I got it. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Especially if you've heard it a hundred times, right? Uh, you rolled 12 dice? Oh, uh, what was that? Well, well, so, I don't know what that was directly in relation to, but yes, you theoretically could roll 12 dice. Also, monsters. I remember the first time I ran, uh, or not the first time, but uh, I remember one of the first times I ran Forbidden Lands. I was teaching it to some people. And, of course, they've got their, got my three strength, and I've got my, uh, Three and uh, we'll say four strength, you know, four, four agility and three in my bow skill, right? So I'm rolling seven dice plus my bow gives me, we'll say, two gear dice. So there's uh, seven, eight, nine, nine dice. And they're like, yeah, I'm on top of the world. I got nine dice. And I come out with like 16 dice. So there's, I think what the guy really complained about was 14, but still, uh, one of the attacks was 16 dice. And the guy threw a temper tantrum at the table. The year zero engine games are very team focused. Very team focus. Here's what I want to remind you. If you start looking at those dice and freaking out, yeah, you could be one shot killed. Chance of it happening are actually pretty low, but you could be one shot killed. Remember, your entire team, if you just think, let's just do averages. Three attribute, three dice. No, sorry, three attribute, three skill, and one gear die. That's actually kind of low, but we'll go with it. That's seven dice. Two characters equal that. Of what that one monster did. And you chance are you have four characters. Just remember that. Yes, it can mess you up. But do the actions that put your character at the advantage. Seek cover. Use range attacks against, me against melee creatures. You um, Put yourself in the position to have a, a bonus. Or get that ambush. Ambush and surprise is so important in Mutineer Zero games. If you use those things, yeah, Game Masters might get annoyed, but Game Masters can do the same thing back to you. What a Game Master shouldn't do is be like, well, the ambush didn't work, unless you really you know, didn't roll. Or have everybody be like, you know, ranked you know, six dice scouts, you know, things like that. That's being a douchebag Game Master. The game is based on tactics and teamwork. If you use those, you're setting yourself up for, for success. Watching on your phone. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't like watching anything that small, but that's fine. Hey, I appreciate you watching in any way that you do it. All right, Flady, have a good one. Good to see you here. 
Once you go black, yeah. Once you go black, you go insane. Uh, yes, you could make, you absolutely could make funny shorts and gifts. You know, uh, definitely in a game like this that's based on political intrigue, you could definitely make some clips out there that make people look bad. So. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Zoidberg is per, absolutely, Dr. Zoidberg is absolutely right. <laughs> Eating out the trash cans, yep. Uh, there you go. All right. Well, there we go. Um, we've covered everything to do with the characters. We talked originally about what what mutant Elysium is, like where why it's at the point that it is. We then talked about you know how to make the character in a very generic sense. Again, I have three full on step by step character creation videos for uh, one for mutant Year zero, one for mutant Gen Lab Alpha, one for mutant uh, Mechatron. I don't have one for Elysium. I actually know what the character would have been. I never end up making that video because I'm not interested in Mutant Elysium. I don't think it's bad as part of the whole gamut. It's just, eh. if I wanted to play a normal human in political intrigue, I'd play Battletech. Uh, <laughs> but you can watch any one of those videos and still get an understanding of how to create a character in this game. Just replace the contact with, or uh, uh, like a mutant uh, power with contact. That's, that's really all it is. Everything else is generally the same. So you, you, won't, be, you won't go wrong with those. Uh, but then today we covered skills, the special skills. We covered talents. We covered contacts, which is the the first unique thing with the uh, mutant Elysium compared to the other mutant games. And we covered biometrics, biomechatronics. There we go. I can say it. The cybernetics, dang it, uh, for mutant Elysium. Next week is going to be all about. Elysium, what's going on without the spoilers, and what is it that uh, player characters do in Mutant Elysium? And then our Mutant Year Zero series is over. And we'll be moving on to Coriolis, which uh, it's going to be interesting because some of it is unique and some of it's the same. And because it's blended so well together... There are going to be aspects of those segments that you're going to be like, we know, we know, we know, we know, we know. Oh, that's new. Oh, does that different? Oh, wow. I, I see how that does different. So, you know, it's going to be fun to try to balance uh, the old versus the new on that one. So, and I don't know how many episodes is going to be for Coriolis. It's going to be more than each one of these, not the entirety of the year zero, where it was like four weeks for the first one, three weeks for each one after it. But I think it's six weeks. For Coriolis, I could be wrong, because remember, we have ground combat, we have space combat, we have the darkness between the stars, we have... Those characters have a lot of differences to them. Yes, there's even magic and cybernetics in Coriolis, too. So, uh... <laughs> Violence solves everything, not liking uh, the Mutant Year Zero series, but I appreciate you being here. <laughs> anyway, violence. So, uh... Yeah, so that that's upcoming. And then we'll see when Sean or Kevin come back again. Uh, kind of mention, I think they said on stream. I hope they said on stream. If not, uh, that uh, there's some things in the works where they might want to come back and talk to us. Uh, you know, we'll just say sooner rather than later. Uh, they're welcome to come on. If Sean just wants to come on here and yell at me, he's allowed to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he'd yell at me about, but uh, you know, we have an open invite. I'll tell you right now, the, these creators have open invites to come on anytime 
they want. Uh, I, you know, give me a little bit of notice, but shut down anything. Sean and Kevin from Palladium Books, Mark McKinnon from Discami, and I know there's one or two others that that we would shut down anything and just say, "Come on in." What about what about your OSR guys? What about people within your circles? Well, we could do those as well. You know, <laughs> I'd I'd let people on to talk about things that that. Uh, Jeffrey Tulanian, there we go. I thought Jeffrey Tulanian. I just don't know what to talk to him about. <laughs> but yeah, there, there there are certain people that that we like here that uh, absolutely. So th I'm sure there will be another time or two that will ex that will kind of push the year zero stuff. That's why I have the year zero stuff only scheduled through October. Uh, you know, because if we have to push it in November, no problem. Anyway, yeah, what this channel needs is more playing. Well, right now we're talking about year zero, sir, and I have to talk about year zero until I put up. There we go. But yeah, we've got a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff still going on here. And yes, there will be Palladium. And yes, there will be Year Zero. Uh, we like them both. And like I said, Sean and Kevin even said that they like uh, Free League stuff. So um, I'm happy that uh, I'm happy to hear that because I like Free League as well. Go. Ugh, dead Rain. Heat and Dog can cover Dead Rain. I, I'm. If if it was mutant or zombie, I wouldn't play it. <laughs> okay, like it's just and and here's the thing, the mutant the zombie thing to me is the same thing that I'm feeling like about that I felt for a long time about vampires and even like the D twenty. You know, people like, oh you just hate D twenties. No, I'm bored of it, man. Oh D twenties, like that doesn't mean every use of the D twenty, but games that just rely on D twenty, just bored of it. I'm just just that's that's all it is i'm not inspired by it i don't think it's bad i don't think that uh somehow it, it hurts games or whatever i'm just bored of it i would like something a little more that's why i like dice pools i like the clickety clack math rocks your mileage may vary but let's uh let's get ready for segment three here oh i don't even have the contact stuff up okay so i'm gonna say this right now if you click to jump in Right away, you might be sitting in the lobby for a little bit. Don't take that as I'm ignoring you. Just you might be sitting in the lobby for a little bit. So, so where's my segment? All right, it is now time. That's right. It is now time to go through the YouTube comments. Also, to hear what some of you folks have to say. Uh, talk about anything. I'll let you guys have anything Mutant Year Zero oriented. I'm okay. I'm going to put a caveat on this next one. You can even talk about Kevin and Sean being here last week, but the, the call-ins are supposed to be about today's stuff. So I'd rather talk more about today's stuff. But since I know a lot of people have things to say about Kevin and Sean coming last week, I will let you talk about that as well. Now here's the deal. Check your audio and surroundings. I don't want snap, crackle and pop. I don't want your dog barking. I don't want jets flying overhead. You get one question or comment related to segment one or two. I'm going to respond. I'll let you have one follow-up. One. I'm not having a conversation with you. We're having one back and forth, and then you're done. It's a radio call. If you, if you are not old enough to remember radio call-ins, I'm sure they even still do it now. That's what this is based on. That's what we're going to do. Okay? And watch the language. If I get me kicked off of YouTube, that, that's my fault. If you get me kicked off of YouTube, I'll have nothing else to live for, and uh, I'll have to hunt you down. And now let me get the link out there. Copy. I'll do this first. And I'll do this. 
Review of Macross 2, the inferior version of Robotech, but useful. I don't know if I have, I don't think I have Macross 2. I have Sentinels. Yeah, right. Yeah, the, oh, I agree with you on that. OSR is D&D clone number 12376999427. Um, I understand, you know, I, and I hate to say it this way, violence, but I do appreciate that because, yeah, that, that just wouldn't go over well, you know, on this. But, uh, yeah, I'd love to talk to you sometime. Um, let me get this. I didn't bring the comments up. So that now. And comments. Right. Present that. Yeah, I should have been prepared for this, but I wasn't. So there. Okay. I think you guys can read that. There. There we go. Boom. I can't read normal chat anymore, so. Oh, so Crafting Gamer is going to cover. There you go. He has some address books and he intends to cover them in a little bit. All right, let me get through this one comment first, then I'll bring you in. Uh so coalition bad shifter equal wait, coalition equals bad shifter equals go. Okay, somebody missed a uh semicolon there. <laughs> coalition equals bad, shifter equals good discuss yeah from from the outside absolutely the coalition is bad they're the bad guys they're meant to be the bad guys my take isn't that they're not the bad guys is that my take is that someone living internally to it who sees the protection that they're given who believes the propaganda because you know you're not allowed to read or the protection's been working and you live a nice stable life and you see what's going on in the wilds is going to see that as good or a necessary evil. Sorry, you can you can call it they're just the Nazis, they're just the Bolsheviks, whatever. There's some truth to that as well. But how much of that does the average citizen see? So my 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 deal is absolutely the cult from an outside looking in. Even if you want to like the coalition, they are the bad guys. Their methods are, are evil. What they want is arguably evil, but it's also understandable from a mundane point of view. Uh, shifter equals good. I like the shifter, so you're not going to get me arguing with you on that one. So uh, maybe Heathen Dog can come and answer that one. All right, let me bring in Mark Hawkman. All right, Mark Hawkman, what you got? Hey, well... I was actually pondering the whole thing you were talking about with uh, cybernetics and how the social elites kind of sort of look down on people who have obvious cybernetics. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I thought of with this is when you watch the anime Ghost in the Shell, how many people are there in that anime who look 100% normal, but on the inside are like half machine? That would have been a great question for Heathen Dog because I don't watch anime. <laughs> but I don't know. But uh, well, it's not really a question about the anime, though. But um, what does this have to do with uh, the the thing you were talking about? Though, it's like how many people in not in the Ghost in the Shell setting, but the one you were covering earlier are like that, where the cybernetics don't look like cybernetics uh, to a casual observer. Well, the, the idea is that they were trying to build a perfect society, so to speak. And part of perfect society is, I don't want to say eugenics, but we'll go with that is, you know, perfect looks, perfect hierarchy. I mean, you could, 
Look, what was perfection? Um, what's the name of the Spanish um, inbred? Uh, oh, I can't think of the name off the top of my head. Uh, royalty. They thought that they were keeping the bloodline pure when they're actually just giving themselves more and more and more and more and more and more bad genetics. So it's it's that whole purity scheme that elitists like to have. Like, oh, I look better than you. Um, that's the way I picture it anyway. So, of course, if they're going to have cybernetics, oh, you sullied, sullied yourself with cybernetics, they're going to have to be hidden. And I'm not saying that that's so hidden that, oh, it's seen. Oh, no, I'm going to be socially outcast. No, no, it's just a matter of like, let's not make it obtrusive. Cover it with your hair, you know, uh, wear, wear a long sleeve shirt over it. Uh, uh, get, get it arranged so that it's completely covered by your scalp. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. So ultimately... Are you going to have them? Probably, especially as a player character, you know, and maybe as player characters, you start changing that trend because, you know, player characters want to change everything. But but the, but the point is, is the way I see is I just see is the haughtiness of the, oh, I'm more pure. I'm a more pure strain human than you are. But you can take it in whatever direction you want. Yeah, it was just like a question of like how common is it in universe for people to have the sleek, uh, sophisticated uh, kinds of cybernetics versus the um, obvious ones? If you're playing it correctly, first of all, it's going to be however your table wants to do it. But I would probably make it so that all of them are sleek and hidden. And no, I'm not going to have a big bionic arm because that would be very noticeable. But I might have the hidden weapon. I'm I'm certainly not going to have a laser eye because that, you know, I'm looking like walking around looking like a Cylon. But uh, I might have the, you know, we'll call it the Johnny mnemonic port in the back of my head that lets me, you know, learn more things. One of the most um, often replayed clips as an advertisement for Cyberpunk 2077 was a woman whose forearm split in half to have a mantis blade pop out of it. Okay. I mean, I'm but, not going to argue that. I mean, I, I, again, I, I, you I can do what you want at your table. So I, I'm just using it as an example, though. It's like it's a very obvious weapon when she unsheaths it. But until then, not really. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, my Hawkman, thanks for popping in. Alrighty. Appreciate that. Later. Later. All right. So I'll put the link out there for folks if you want to pop on in here. Let's, uh, all right. Uh, I don't think I want to read the ones on the shorts. I'll get to those on my own. So, uh, Per, I'll read your, your stuff later. This is for a different game. This is for Magic, the Vampire Launcher. Uh, that's for the Rando Stream, Rando Stream, Rando Stream. Yeah, I know Shauner made that video about us. We ended up, L, if you're still watching, we spent four hours. Like, I ended the stream on time. And I was hoping to just chit-chat for maybe an hour. Because we like to chit-chat after the stream. For maybe an hour or so. But because Shauner made that video, we talked for four hours. <laughs> All right. Uh, met Kevin. That's cool. Oh, I already like that. Do we not have anything from Kevin and Sean being here? Oh, there we go. All right, L. Mr. Max said it best in one of his videos in RPG and many other games are best as exclusionary design. Don't just throw in everything because someone might want it, but make towards your design focus and let competent gamers add the niche and nuance things. Oh, stupid clicking. Because I have to zoom in so far. Where'd it go? Oh, this is for after the bomb. Hey. Uh, can I click you now? Yes, there we go. Uh, make it towards folks and let competent gamers... Add the niche, nuanced things that they want at their table. Seems this video started with a thought. Continue for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is the one where you mentioned... Okay, all right. 
Yeah. Um, Riffs is meant to be the kitchen sink, but I, if this is what you're saying, I think we agree. And if you're saying something else, well, then we disagree. But <laughs> is that I like the source books. I like the world books because it does compartmentalize. Otherwise, it's too much. Uh, somebody asked me this last week. It's like, how do I get started in riffs? And I was like, well, I'm not the person to ask. You should probably talk to Heathen Dog. But then that person yelled at me for about 15 minutes about how he doesn't use Discord. I'm like, whatever. Um, but yeah, you don't need all this stuff. Get the core book. Don't feel intimidated by all this stuff. I would say the same thing with Palladium Fantasy. First of all, you can build your own world. You don't have to play on the Palladium Fantasy world. But start, uh, what was it that Kevin said he started with? The Northern Wilderness because it's the most open and easiest for people just to jump right into and kind of mess around with. The other ones are a bit more, we'll say, defined. That doesn't mean you have to play it defined, but like with Rifts, just start with the core book. You don't need... 50 years or 40 years worth of bo- or gaming books. So I guess it'd be 30 years for riffs, right? Um, you, don't, you don't need that. After you've got the core book understood, then maybe, you know, it'd be fun to have more juicers. Then go buy Juicer Uprising. It'll be fun to have more magic. Go buy the magic books. You don't have to use those, though. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I think riffs is designed around the fact that it's supposed to be the kitchen sink, but you don't have to use everything plus the kitchen sink all at one time. It does not directly exist in the game, Darth Darthiak. Doesn't. Um, in fact, when I had that spoiler on the screen <laughs> for a moment there, that's uh, that's where you get the kind of hint of where they were working at some of that. And believe me, you're a smart person. All I have to say is this: there's four four aspects of the game that we've gone over: mutant Year zero, mutant gen lab alpha, mutant mechatron, mutant elysium. For a reason, you do the two plus two on that one. <laughs> I know you'll get it. I'm not saying that patronizing to him either. He's a smart person. He'll he'll put those together to figure out what they were doing. So, oh my God. Um, all right. Interesting points about Africa as a world book. I've sometimes wanted to see more human-centric or non-monster culture locations in Africa. Yeah, so here's my take on Africa. Uh, and why there isn't more Africa, why there isn't a Southeast Asia, why there isn't a Middle East. And it has nothing to do with the fact that, uh, that those can't have interesting uh, concepts. Again, I use Degenesis. Degenesis had a great, unfortunately the game isn't popular, but it had a great write-up for Africa in a post-apocalyptic future. And if Kevin or Sean ever watch this, or if you guys want to send them something, a little clip, I would say look at how Degenesis, ha- um, the, the, ga- the game, the oh, can you see them back there? Uh, I think they're hidden. Uh, yeah, they're hidden behind me. The, but the game Degenesis, how it handled Africa. But going back on the Palladium thing is the fact that the reason there was such good Asia content is because of Eric Wuchek. Eric lived there. He studied it. He knew it. He was part all involved. I'm not sure that Kevin's or Palladium's Mystic China. Okay, he's got he's got Sean now. He was he was a Chinese Intel analyst, so you know, that that probably would help now. But uh, before then, I don't know if Mystic China would have been as good. I don't know if the Japan source book would have been as good. I don't know if any of the Asian supplements, Ninjas and Super Spies, would have been good or as good without Eric. And it's kind of due to something that uh, Sean was talking about when they were on the show. And that's like the amount of research that has to go into that. You know, research time is not writing time, right? 
So I bet you there absolutely could be a Middle East themed game, but it would take somebody outside of Kevin and Sean to write it, to, to, to do something more than what Africa was. And I think that's what where the the drawback to Africa is. It's real easy to make these generalized tropes. It's real easy to do the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. It's real easy to do certain things that you can see from a 20,000 foot view, but people want deeper in. I mean, one of the things I think I mentioned, if I didn't mention, I'll, I'll mention it here, is it'd be great to see the rise of the Mali Empire again. The richest empire in all of humanity. Wasn't America? Wasn't China? Wasn't even the British. The Mali Empire was the richest empire in all of humanity. It'd be awesome to see something like that. But... Did Kevin have the time to dive into and research all of that in the 90s? Maybe now it'd be easier, but, you know, so, so that's the thing. I would love to see a Middle East, somebody who lived in Kuwait for a year. I would love to see uh, a, a Middle East book. I would love to see a, uh, uh, you know, a more diverse Africa book. Yeah, uh, a South, you know, a, a Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia area style, style uh, book. You know, especially since you know there are dinosaurs in America, I'd put dinosaurs there too. You know, hot jungle area. You know, things like that. It'd be it'd be great to see all that, but it takes a lot of time to research that and get it right. So, uh, oops. click on here. All right, so I already liked that one. So for it again. Red and Black First Edition. This violence solves everything. Violence, did you make this comment? <laughs> uh, Red and Black First Edition played in fantasy book hooked me back in the early 80s. That's awesome. Uh, I guess I responded to that one already. Running my first played in one E campaign. Love it. Setting, setting it in Ophid's Grassland. The PCs are mercenary in nature and are currently staying, are currently uh, staying a fo oh, in a fortified village on the Jewel River. A troll pirate, ogre warrior, and a wolfen mine mage. <laughs> God. I, yeah i know palladium allows it so i can't argue with it but uh, uh troll ogre i mean I'm, I'm good with the wolfen but the wolfen are the good guys if you actually look at wolfen and palladium fantasy they're arguably the good guys <laughs> but uh yeah uh, you know to be fair earth dawn had uh drink had uh trolls and orcs and so forth yeah so but that's cool I'm, I'm glad you're doing that i'm glad you're having fun with it oh i did say you have to send us occasional battle report Simbita seems like a genuinely nice guy. Yes, behind the scenes, he's a he's a real guy. I love the fact that uh, I didn't catch all of them. I found out, but uh, that I had to edit out some of his cursing for the shorts. And no, I don't care that he's on here cursing at all. But for the shorts, I have to be a little bit more cognizant of it. But uh, yeah, I, I just I like the fact that he talks like a real person. He acts like a real person. Him and Sean both. I mean, they don't come on here just shill game, shill game, shill game. No, they they talk to you like real people. They're real gamers. So absolutely. I, I know, again, that people have thoughts about what some of the stuff that Kevin may have said or done in the 90s wasn't available or around for that. It didn't happen to me. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm saying it didn't happen to me. So I don't have that personal animus uh, for what may or may not have happened. And he doesn't seem to have any of those issues, if you want to call it that now. Kevin is a down to earth guy. If he's, you know, he's going to call a spade a spade, if he thinks that you've done that, I'm telling you, Kevin chewed me out. <laughs> The first time I talked to him, well, he didn't chew me out, but he definitely expressed um concerns. <laughs> Let's say it that way for uh, for how we handled the old segment too, which is now everything that's incorporated in the Friday Night Chill stream. You know, because he, you know, 
It's like, you know, maybe I wouldn't have said those words. Well, maybe you wouldn't, Kevin, but we did. But the but the fact is that he's comfortable saying things like that. He's a real person with real thoughts. Uh, he doesn't just try to, you know, placate us because we're promoting his stuff. And I don't even look at it as promoting. Promoting makes it sound like he's paying us to do it. No, we literally enjoy it. So uh, it's great talking gaming stuff with him and Sean both. I'm, gl- I'm glad Kevin forced me to have Sean on the show alone. I mean that. Because I was reticent to the eh, Sean guy, whatever. He can come in. Yeah, we'll talk to him. Nah, man. Sean, Sean's just as great. So I'm glad, I'm glad he did that. And having them both on, seeing that dynamic. Oh, don't get me wrong, there's a little jealousy there. I want to write for Palladium books. Nah, I, I, I wouldn't meet his manuscript requirements, but, uh, but no, it's like, I'm glad. Um, let's see. Uh, we'd love to see a compendium of magic weapons. I thought this was a neat idea. You guys in chat that are still watching right now, which is next to nobody, it's like the worst RPG Digest episode ever <laughs> based on viewership. Oh, well. Um, guess you all just want Heathen Dog. Uh, I'd love to see a compendium of magic weapons. I think it'd be very useful for most of the genres they cover that have magic in it. If you guys don't know, like uh, there are rune weapons in Palladium Fantasy. And of course, you have the techno wizard items and magic items in in Rifts. I think this is a good idea. I'd love to see how they work differently because, you know, with uh, Palladium Fantasy being SDC, so structural damage capacity, I was told to stop using the the acronyms, uh, the structural damage capacity and Rifts being the mega damage capacity, you know, much higher power level. It'd be interesting to see how uh, the same weapon would have two different stats based on the game. And then I think that, you know, I don't think it's like a high priority thing, but I think it is a good idea. And then add in some of the techno wizardry items. I think that could be neat. Yeah. Maybe we can pitch this them since we already have one for modern weapons and exotic weapons. Um, I think I told the dude to uh, see. Da, da, da. Yeah, I said uh, he can contact him. But also what I would say to this person is save, save that question. And if we have them on again, which we're hoping to do, and, you know, they seem like they're willing to come back again. Uh, that's something that we can talk about. But the one thing I do want to let every, 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 everybody know, and this is myself included, no matter how much I bust their balls about uh, uh, After the Bomb, it's a very small team, and they've got to focus on what's going to be best for the company and for the, the greatest majority of fans. And I don't know if that would be in the mix for that. Now, if a bunch of people start sending them messages and say that, hey, you know, this would be a great book, guess what? No, no. So, Shield Gamer, don't know. I'm not worried about chat. It's, I'm actually, I actually see the numbers of people who are watching, and this is like the lowest <laughs> that I've ever seen. That's fine. Maybe it's because everybody's coming home from Gen Con right now. That's the story I'm going with. Oh, I love these interviews with Kevin, uh, Kevin Sabita. His works. I'm going to say this is Kevin and Sean. There you go. His works provided so many years of fun and played him little really fires up the imagination. Couldn't say it better. That is absolutely true, man. That is so that, you know, I, my friend, Bob, we give him crap a lot for some of the things that he's done, but he said this back in the nineties. Okay. This is late nineties when he said these words that I'm about to say. Kevin writes the best game lore in all of gaming. I don't know, how do you say it? He said, if I ever meet Kevin Sambita, I'm going to give him a hug and then I'm going to punch him. (laughs) His reason for saying that is because he's like, he writes the best game lore out there. You know, maybe there's some that rival now, but especially in the 90s, man, 
I was devouring books on games I didn't even play just because, or run so much, uh, I should say, because playing them, I don't have a problem playing any of them. Because, yes, it's written so well, interestingly done. But Bob's mentality was he hates the rules. He's definitely more, he wouldn't surprise me if Bob was a Pathfinder player. And you can take that as a negative or a positive or whatever. But, you know, he wants that crunch and he wants it there and he wants to understand it. And he didn't always understand what Kevin was going for. So he would have some problems with the rules of the game. Some of the things that I've talked about where we've since learned it's supposed to be a cinematic style. But, he, but that, that was things like, my, his game system drives me crazy, but man, he's got the best lore books out there. And uh, yeah, it's absolutely true. It really does fire up the imagination. I agree with that. Um, don't look for the index because there is none. That's true. Yeah, well, the index is its own book. That is, I, I did respond to that. Bob can go with Dan. <laughs> Bob is a Bob's a good guy, uh, but I tell you what, he was very, 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 very stubborn. <laughs> he got something in his mind. You could he was a dwarf, dude. He was a dwarf through and through. If he got something stuck in his mind, he was not changing. You could you could put it right in front of him. Um, no. And nope. <laughs> so uh so I didn't understand this comment. I wonder what the results of a mechanic and a pacifist principled human being mind bonded. Is, is he saying what are the results of a mechanic and a pacifist principled human being? Like two characters being mind bonded together? I, I, I don't understand fully what this, what this question was entailing and I don't want to misconstrue it so I had to move on. Oh, Oh, that was spell corrected from uh, Mechanoid. Uh, I'm pondering the effects of an in interlink. Oh, he responded back. That's cool. You know what? Uh, reading Dave, thanks for responding back. I'm um, pondering the effects of an interlinked racial memory of one shared life of a good humanoid with the Mechanoids who hate humans. And also, and also the humans suddenly obtaining the knowledge and skills of a whole race. Wow. You know, I have to say that's a table by table thing. It's almost like being, you know, it's, it has me thinking Stargate with the Gua'uld, where the memory is repressed, or the, or the or the 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 person is in there, but the Gua'uld has that person repressed. But it doesn't have to be run that way. That's interesting. Insert, you're blocked by shot. Do you make videos? Like, why are you block? Are you upsetting him in the comment section? People have been, uh, for, ever since that video came out, and you guys know I watched it, people have, I've got a bunch of messages saying I should, I should blow them up over it and so forth. I'm not going to, we, we did what we did, unfortunately, off a of stream, but we, we said what we were going to say about it. I'm just going to ignore it. I, I'll say what I've always said because I mean it. I like the idea of what Shauna is trying to sell. I think he's too puritanical about it. And he's actually becoming kind of belligerent about it. And that's where he's kind of crossing a line for me. Like, I don't mind him being puritanical to himself, but he is becoming belligerent about it. Um, but, you know, it's the internet. Yeah, they could. You're right. I mean, again, your table, your rules. I mean, they could always cohabit the body, right? Yeah, I mean, th then that becomes interesting. What, what if you're a good person, a scrupulous person, but you're also merged with this thing that wants to bender everything, you know, kill all humans? <laughs> so, human's head explodes as violence solves everything. Maybe. <laughs> uh, 
Well, so violence, it isn't about supporting Paizo. I'm talking about that crunchy, encyclopedic game style. That, that's what I... That, that's what I'm talking about. Um, I'll give him a like and a, and a little heart on that one. I'm not going to respond back to it because I did hear. Hopefully he watches these. Uh, well, now I have to check out Dead Ran. I thought some of the zombies could talk in it, but I might be misremembering. I remember there were some interesting types of zombies. Yeah, they keep trying to sell that to me. Like, even Kevin behind the scenes like, John, there, there are different types of zombies in there. You'll like them. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's like the entirety of the zombie trope. I'm just, no, no, I don't want any Walking Dead. I don't even want to use zombies in, in my games, even though, though I know they're the upgrade to skeletons. Like, no, I, I just, no, no zombies. Like, I'm just so sick of them. And I'm pretty... I'm not as much so, but I'm, I've been sick of vampires even longer. But I think for me, it's the Anne Rice style vampires because I think that I can use vampires. Like if I look at the Ravenloft, the second edition AD&D Ravenloft books, um, there are some interesting things that you can do with vampires there. Like I, I've said it a lot on other live streams, but you know, a vampire that doesn't drink blood, but spinal taps you or drinks eyeball juice. So, you know, all of a sudden you got a town of people that are going blind. So, uh, do, 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 do. there are talking zombies, thinking zombies. Okay, there you go. Let's see, uh, how significant? Okay, good. Heathen Dog answered this one. That's good stuff. Uh, so I don't have to get because that wasn't about Kevin and Sean. You have a great show. So glad they do these. Well, Flady was here earlier, but he's gone now. But uh, thank you, Flady. Yeah. Um, and the big thing that I was looking at was to see how busy they are. Yep. So I can't be more thankful. Love and Palladium LM do these videos together. Yeah, I, we have a great time as well. And, and here's one of the things. I don't know what kind of benefit we give them. But the fact that they give uh, time. I mean, sure, he's been on here saying like, you know, we come on here, we have a great time and, you know, and we'll, we'll get some good feedback. That's awesome. You know, I honestly hope that we help increase their sales and i know you guys have bought christmas packages but i don't know how that compares to like the real world you know what i'm saying um i, I hope we give them some help in that because you buy more palladium product well they create more palladium product right so yeah i don't buy it all it's like victor you know we i was talking with victor on friday victor comes on the show i don't buy his stuff but we shill it i like it it's just it's not for me I don't do modern games like that. So his book isn't for me. But for people that do want it, Victor's got a great book, Modern Necessities, for you out there. You should buy Modern Necessities. And I mean that just because I don't have it. I only don't have it because it's not for me. And I'm not in that phase where I have to buy every gaming book out there just because I like it. Well, a lot of Rift stuff isn't for me. You're not going to see me buy a lot of Magic or Psionics when it comes to Rifts. I will buy up the robot stuff, though. Why? Because I can incorporate that much easier into my After the Bomb games and make the Empire of Humanity less of a caricature. Boom. Yeah, there you go. Glory to Palladium. No, I actually like Undead. In fact, skeletons, to me, would be probably something that you'd get tired of. I can find all types of interesting ways to use skeletons, or skeletal creatures. And they look cooler, and more, you know, to me, to me, to me, to me. I shouldn't have to say it to me, but I'm going to say it here. Um, and shadows, no creature in D&D &D lore gives me a hard 
I'm not supposed to say it, makes me feel just more than shadows. I will use shadows on low-level parties, high-level parties. I will destroy parties with shadows. We're just a two-hit die creature. Oh, no, you've got to use them correctly. Two shadows will mess up any party of almost any level that isn't prepared. I love shadows. Oh, Engine Joe, I, I want to read this because uh, Engine Joe, I'm still playing Mutant Year Zero for Xbox. I did get the starter kit for TTRPG. That's awesome. Printed out Ravenloft House on Griffin Hill last night. I don't know what that is, but cool. Um, I'm guessing when you say Mutant Year Zero, you're talking about Road to Eden. I beat it. I played it. I loved it. So the story is, you guys may have heard this, but the story is this. I didn't even know there's a Mutant Year Zero tabletop role-playing game until I saw Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden. And I was like, man, this looks like it could be a role-playing game. Be a great role-playing game. And then I did a little research, like 10 seconds, and uh, found out it's a role-playing game. I was like, who's this Free League company? Actually, I got it through Modifius at first because that's just who was selling it because Free League was small. I bought it, and I fell in love with the rules. And I like the tabletop role. They say, say it's always the first thing you're exposed to that you like the most. No. I actually think the computer game is crap when compared to the tabletop role-playing game because it doesn't cover and I read some articles on why it couldn't do it. It's a whole money thing and what it would take to generate, you know, that to happen. But um, yeah, uh, it's not that the the table or it's not that the computer game is bad if you like XCOM style games. But I love the tabletop. Uh, really, you think it's harder? I'm not disagreeing with you. I just uh, I don't think I've ever heard that before. I thought it was on par, but okay. It's definitely, it's got some moments in there where you can get wiped, yeah. All right, let's get back to answering our comments. And then, good show. Thank you, Mercer Court. Our Riffs uh, DM, GM, whatever. So good, love it. Oh, yeah, these are the past interviews. Thank you, Per. Thanks for the invite. Sorry, I missed it. Well, you know what? You can go back and watch it anytime. Wasn't a fan of, well, need more after the bomb. I... We'll probably do some more after the bomb. There's really not much to say about after the bomb. It's such an open setting that you can just do so much that you want with it. I don't use so many invisible stalkers, but I do agree with you, Raven's Lair. Yeah, they, uh, invisible stalkers really can. I, I'm more on the shadow because I want a chance for them to see them. Also, because they come out at certain times. Invisible stalkers can just be any time. The, the shadow makes you fear the night, fear the darkness. I think it has a little more, you know, I, I'm going to say it a second time. Je ne sais quoi in that. No. You're playing books, make more of this line. I'm trying, man. I'm trying. Please. It's just, it's not a high seller for them. So it's hard. It's hard to. Maybe we just got to have more fan content, more Rifter content, right? Okay. I think we're getting to the end here. Question. Yeah. This guy asked a question. Unfortunately, I, I told him to hang on to that question because, you know, for next time. Uh, Okay. And this is the this is the question from for those who watch the Friday Night Chill stream. Here you go. This was the question we talked about on dang it on the Friday Night Chill stream. I just copied and pasted it and uh, had some people on Discord talk about where the hell is it? Yes, cat. The stream's almost over. There, there you go. So you can see I didn't make it up. Not that I need to tell you that anyway. And I think we're at the end. That's. Yeah, Yep, that's all stuff. All right. Nobody else wanted to call in. I will do. I will put the link out there one more time. You don't have to feel bad for us. And again, Mutineer Zero has not been doing well for us. I know somebody's going to type in chat. Ha ha. I told you it wasn't going to do well. well. I don't care. I like Mutineer Zero, so I'm going to cover it. Um, I like the Year Zero engine. And again, I want to remind you folks, Kevin and Sean said they like Free League stuff too. So, um, but uh, 
Yeah, I know. Free League isn't doing well for us, but I don't care. I like it, and I'm going to cover it, and we're going to cover it throughout the rest of the year. There's the link one more time if you guys want to call uh, call in here. And you know, I'll just I'll take the lumps of it not being our <laughs> our most watched videos. I'll give just a couple moments here for somebody to pop in. Else, uh, we're going to call it a day. Hope you guys liked uh, you know like what we covered. Looking forward to next week. Mutant Elysium. Don't know what Heathen Dog's covering yet. I was asking him at the beginning of the year, like, you know, try to help me a month out, you know, you know, program me stuff a month out as much as possible, because that will let me not have to scramble at the last minute to make uh, graphics and so forth. But with his vacations and then he was struggling to find uh, topics uh, and so forth. Yeah, he's been giving them to me. <laughs> like he's got to do it by Wednesday, because Wednesday's the day that I actually try to do all my stuff for Sunday. But uh, yeah, so I don't know what he's covering next week, but we'll see. I would, I really would like him uh, to get have the Adam guy back on again, talk some mage. I kind of felt that, uh, like I said, Adam didn't get to speak his mind the way he the way he really wanted to on there, and I'd like to kind of give him more of an open floor to do that. Uh, I think he and Heathen Dog had a good dynamic talking mage, but it really seemed like Adam had some stuff that he wanted to just directly present. I'm not sure that uh, that we afforded him that opportunity. So, there we go. See, and Ron, uh, to be fair, he's been commenting on a lot of those videos, and I appreciate that. Uh, I really do. And some of the things that he's done in the, this, the games that he's played that's been a little different than what the book said, I think that's been really good inspiration that I hope if people read those comments, you can see, because we're focusing on what the book directly says. And he's like, well, our groups did things a little differently. And it's like, there you go. So check out his comments on some of our videos. All right. I think we're going to end it. We're going to end it now. So I wanted to ask everybody to like, subscribe, and share. Really appreciate you all being here. You know, I, I kind of had some words of wisdom. But I don't remember what they were. And I may have said them at the beginning of the show. I'm, I'm thinking. Because I can cut this part out, out of the video side of it. There's something I wanted to express that I wanted to talk about. It may have been a little more related to the Friday stream, but I, I can't remember. Oh, you know what we didn't do? You guys didn't remind me. If you did, I didn't read it. <laughs> Forgot to look at the critical chart. Oh, well. You'll have to look that up on your own now because it wouldn't be able to be in the video, so <laughs> we didn't look at that critical chart. It's called... I know. Like It's getting worse and worse with this memory, dude. <laughs> Old man memory now. All right. YouTube didn't let you comment? Okay, well. Alright, let's, uh. I'm really hungry all of a sudden. Did I, ha did I eat today? Did my wife feed me today? I think she did. Maybe not. See, I can't even remember if I ate. Oh, that's not the right one. I can't even remember if I ate. Oh, it's this one. There we go. All right, my words of wisdom for today is I, I can't remember my words of wisdom for today. Um, I think I think what I want to say, because it was something that's been kind of in the back of my mind while we were talking here, is, uh, again, what I'd really love to see folks do is, you know, spread the word of games that you like. I don't care if it's your friend that writes an OSR game. I don't care if it's a uh, Palladium. I don't care if it's TriStat system. You know, of course, I'd prefer it not to be Paizo or Watsi, but 
In fact, I guess what I'm going to say with the words of wisdom then is even spread the word of games that are outside of those 800-pound gorillas. You know, we talked on Friday about uh, trying to get people to play games outside of their wheelhouse. Trying to convince somebody like, man, my people only play Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. Well, one of the things you got to do is extol the virtues of the game. Well, I don't like Palladium because the rules are weird. You know, you know what my response to that is? No, I'm not doing Shadowrun 60. <laughs> I'm not even going to joke about that. <laughs> but uh, uh, is uh, extol the virtues. When somebody says, hey, Palladium rules suck. Okay, what rule sucks? Just ask them, what rule sucks? What is it you don't understand? Because if I can cure your ignorance, and I'm not saying ignorance in a bad way, I'm saying it's a literal sense, the, the, your lack of understanding of it, I'll be happy to do that. There are some things I can't fight. Yeah, okay, the book isn't organized perfectly, whatever. But Kevin really stresses, and he said it a bunch of times on that live stream, it's, you're at your table now, do what you want. Make a ruling, move forward. Yeah, there are rules in the book. If you follow me, follow me. If you don't, you don't. I, I know I'm exaggerating that to some degree. It's not that rules are unimportant, but you don't have to stress over it. If, if you know, for free league, oh, you know, there aren't enough skills, there aren't enough things to do in the game. Bullshit. Ah. Sorry, that's supposed to do that. Um, you know, yeah, there are only 12, 13 if you count the extra one skills, but they're all meaningful. What it does is it allows your character to have a role, a, a singular role. If you're, we'll call it the fighter type, you're going to be able to do all things fighting. It's not a simulation. You're right. You're right. You effectively have every form of martial arts. Yep, you're right. You effectively can shoot every single firearm ever made to man without thinking about it. Because that's just, that's just your role. That's your job. Yes, you can read every book ever written. Yes, you can manipulate every type of person. But again, that's your job. You're playing a role. It's kind of a class-based game while having certain skills that, uh, that are there for you. You know, if that's two rules light for you, okay, I, I get it. If you want a more simulationist-style game, well, then there you go. You got the Palladium. But again, I don't care what game it is that you like. You know, I talked about Degenesis today. Man... They unfortunately went effectively out of business. They can't sell. Those are the most beautiful hardcover books I've ever seen. I'll show them off on a stream again. If you guys remind me, I'll show them off on a stream. The artwork in there is just absolutely amazing. Now, is artwork gameplay? No. But the gameplay is is darn good as well. I only did play testing. I didn't run an actual game of it, but I, I did do play testing. Promote the games that you like. Don't just hate on the games you don't like. Promote the games you do like and know why you like those games and people will come over to them people will buy more palladium people will buy more uh, discami people will buy more free league again insert your company of choice there so oops put that on the screen because i can and uh don't smoke crack that is that is correct don't smoke uh, we could probably do Cyberpunk. I have Cyberpunk 2020. I don't have any of the new Cyberpunk stuff because his kid's involved and his kid's woke as hell. And he's actually turning Mike's pon- uh, Pondsmith. Oh, so. so, there we go. Those are my words of wisdom. So, uh, th- I want to thank, and the other thing is thank you all. I mean, that's the reason why I put the thank you screen on there is because, seriously, thank you all. You put up with the shenanigans that we do here, whether it's the rants on Fridays or it's the boring game talk on <laughs> Sundays, you know, or how we clip things into video segments, you know, et cetera, et cetera. 
I appreciate you. Heathen Dog appreciates you for appreciating us for that. So, you know, it's a give and take. And always let us know more about what we can do for you. The suggestions that you're putting in chat are not bad. We do take them to heart. And you know what? Even when you guys troll us a little bit, you know, with like Shadowrun 6E, yeah, you know, Heathen Dog can cover Shadowrun 1 and 2E. How about that? So, but with that, I hope, oh, let me get the fish. Got it, got it. Get it ready to go. There we go. I hope each and every one of you has a great week. Hope to see you on Friday. And of course, I hope to see you next Sunday on more RPG Digest.